here we are now. WWDC 2022. We are finally here to discuss it. I like the I like how we do this. We we watch the keynote on Mondays. I, I you know all the shows come out throughout the week for my friends, and then feel like at the end of the week, you know, it's just sit back and let, you know it's all it's all sink in by then. And um, we drop about, the bumper break now. Yeah, f- and, and I feel it inside of me physically, like that this this conversation that we're going to have. I feel it like weighing on me. And then today's the day to let it out, to release it. I mean, Apple does so much stuff now across so many different axes of product that it's almost impossible to have full, full, fully formed opinions about anything like the day of or even the day after, I feel like. like You can have some like, you know, Twitter takes and like cool tweets or whatever, but serious like understanding or opinions of stuff, it's like, you know, half the stuff we're going to talk about today, I feel like we still need to be able to like, investigate and try out and test in like a million different ways before you can really have a clue but you know like you need at least a few days before you can have any idea about anything because they're, they're just such a big company they do so much in in one event especially wwc like that's one of the biggest events now just in terms of raw number of stuff that they talk about yeah selfishly i like the shows that come out early because i get to listen to them but uh, i like that we don't do that so um first up we're going to talk about the event in general so um what was the intro it, I mean, if you were there in person, you got a different intro than if you were there, if you weren't there. Yeah, because like the some so the on the on the video stream, which is what me and you are watching, it was purely pre-recorded. There was nothing. They didn't even do the like audience shot transitioning into a pre-recorded thing, and they didn't have Tim Cook introduced. There was nothing on the video stream. If you were there in person, Tim Cook came up on the stage and had a little like icebreaker introduction you know welcome to apple park and stuff but that was not broadcast so they really stuck to the video being entirely virtual which really surprised me like i was i was certain they were going to have some introductory shot or transition from like a live feed to the to the to the show but they just didn't do it so it wasn't an in-person event in the end (laughs) well yeah but on the other hand there was so many in-person invitees it was actually it was actually kind of insane like because we obviously we were sitting at home and then everybody that was in there in person started to tweet and like show the layout and stuff and there were so many chairs it honestly looked like they'd invited as many people as they as they would to like a september event in a normal time and and most people showed up it seemed there were a lot of people there like for for a quote all online conference the the keynote had a lot of attendance in both the like obviously the developer section and obviously then the, the separate press area mm-hmm. um it'd be interesting to see whether this is a long term arrangement like i think it came off pretty successfully so maybe uh, maybe if you're in person after the novelty of like year number one wears off the fact that you are just sitting there to watch a video on a stage that like transaction of i give you my time to come here and pay for travel and everything and then you make me sit here and watch a video like <laughs> that the, the cost benefit analysis of that quickly fades after the you know the first year or so that you've been there and you get to see the apple park stuff for the first time as most of the developers had so I don't know if that's like fully sustainable, but maybe if they transitioned that back to like an in-person keynote and then yeah, maybe Go- did like a Google Google, Google, style. Google style. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then maybe they could do like two or three days of conference, whereas before it used to be like a whole week, right? They could yeah. maybe host a couple of days of events that were even on this one, they had the talk show on day two, right? To try and give something. But if they fleshed it out, they could probably transition that way around. The other thing I would say on the viewing experience as us sitting from the stream was it was very annoying the video was 
behind by about a lot. It wasn't even slightly behind. It was like five minutes behind. So yeah, you could yeah. e- you could choose. You could either you know turn off Twitter and watch the video and be as real time as you can be in terms of the live stream, or you could be in the world of you know the real timeline where you better than everything would be spoiled four minutes ahead because everybody was tweeting and pictures and stuff that were there about what was going on. Like that was pretty. Uh, that didn't feel great, I'll be honest. That's the value of being there, is you get a four-minute lead time. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, just, it's just Twitter growth hacking at that point, you know? I mean, so, you know, just to, like, perspective from us as a, you know, Apple News outlet, um, it, it, there's, like, there's like a, kind of a benefit of it because you can see what's coming. But, you know, if you're planning on writing your stories and you know, okay, this segment's coming up, um but because like you're also trying to watch the actual thing with like the audio and everything and all the details, then it was, I found it, even though there's a benefit of, you know, it's coming up. Um, I found that I just had to turn off Twitter and only watch the video because following two different timelines out of sync was, was very distracting for me. Yeah. It's a shame they can minimize that now. Cause if it was like a minute, it'd be all right. But it was so long. They were like, the Twitter was talking about, a segment that wasn't even on the screen all right it was like yeah. very delayed it was yeah. pretty rough um but hey ho that's how it was I, I i'm i am curious to see what they do for like the september event because maybe by september if they if they were if they were comfortable enough to invite a thousand people to come into apple park now maybe by september they can invite you know the the 500 press to be inside in the siege of theater again like that doesn't seem unachievable and they did use the C-Drops Theater, not for the presentation, which was like extended out of Cafe Max and out into the lawn. Um, but they did use it, I think, for the Mac. I think that's where the MacBook Air was shown. Yeah, the, that was the, not the not the actual like underground theater bit, but like the the entrance hall, sure. circular all around glass thing. That was where they took the media and the, and the 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 members of the press got to like do some hands on look at the map repair and stuff but again this was another thing developers did not there was no, not even in the morning not even in the afternoon there was no opportunity for all the thousand people that had flown in there as, as in a developer capacity to even like look at the map repair stuff which again that's kind of what i thought they were going to do but sure. nope. yeah. yeah so they probably need to slightly cuz a lot of the commentary i've heard from other podcasts this week off obviously from the media side right because they got invited as press and they were like this thing's going great it's like a you know it was so good and apple park everyone's having a fun time it's all nicely self-controlled and we you know we were dining and being being winded down in the mezzanine and then we got to go after the event was over we got to go to the um steve jobs theater lounge bit and see the laptops and then tim cook came along came and did a little walk around a little tour and stuff like I'm sure as a member of the press, you were like really, really happy. But press I, events are good. Not- yeah, <laughs> from the developer perspective, I feel like it may be slightly lacking. Like no, for, again, because it was the first time they did it, no one's going to care because it, it's it's brand new for basically everybody, right? But I don't think they could do that exact same setup next year and get the same level of attendance, get the same level of satisfaction. I just don't think it's as long possible. as it's free. Then I don't think it's a challenge. But if they wanted to charge for attendance um then then that could be a challenge i guess but i don't know like uh the 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 developer center across the street from apple park seems to be like a a place they could they could you know use throughout the week to schedule an in-person component and then keep doing this the remote like through slack element of it for everyone Mm -hmm. around the world and when you call it a worldwide conference and being on the world wide web helps i think so 
Um, yeah, because the, the, obviously this was the debut of the developer center, and it's you know a nice building. It's got some office space. It's got some computers. It's got some labs. It's got that nice theater um, area. But it was like this for this event for this time around. They weren't really using it for anything. It was just like a come and ogle at the pretty place that we spent millions yeah, of dollars on. Yeah, it was on, the opening house. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think even if you spoke to Apple, they don't 100% know what they're going to use it for long term. Yeah. It sounds from, like, like meeting rooms. Yeah. yeah. From what I've seen so far, it sounds like uh, App Store editorial or um, developer relations. Like anytime they. It doesn't sound like you can like really ask to go there and have a meeting, but that if someone from the Apple side sort of finds you on their own, someone on the Apple side wants to meet with you, they've got right, a place yeah. to take you. Yeah. And and also like um, I mean, I'm, they've done this for years, but like think about the the, the time between um, the Apple Watch being announced and released. I think there was a lot there. There was a good bit of like you know hands on with. Um, you know, or go out to go out to Apple, go out to Cupertino, and and work on that. And they always do some things that are ahead of time, like you know, before iOS 16 is released, we've worked. You know, we've 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 worked with these few apps that show an example of what can be done. And I can imagine that space being used for that kind of thing versus like somewhere on campus. But um, but in in this particular instance, you know, the, the campus access was actually really nice if you're out there. Because um, if you go, if you just go like as, as a member of the public, the visitor center is. You know, it's an Apple store with a nice view of Apple Park across the street. Um, I think the, develop, the developer center kind of seems that way as well. I mean, it's on the same basically street. So um, you feel very far away from the ring or Steve Jobs Theater. But since they had, you know, th- this was pretty good access to Apple Park. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I've not had this. I've only gone from the front building when you register, you know, check you in. And then you're you're escorted to Steve Jobs Theater. And, uh, you know, which is like away from the ring at no point are you accessing the ring so um and when and when this campus was conceived this wasn't an intended use case of it right like they've they've obviously had to hack this in backwards because of covid and the current situation ideally i don't think they wanted any outside developers and stuff walking inside that ring part but that's the only way they could host it in 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 this instance Uh, yeah so yeah next year i can see some changes but i don't necessarily think we'll be going back to the old conference style in, you know, um, San Jose or something. They could probably host it out of Apple Park, use the developer set a bit more, maybe do a two or three day course for developers that turn up and, you know, maybe do a nice in-person keynote either in a field again or in the actual, like, Steve Jobs Theatre stuff. That that feels tenable for a long term. You remember in 2020 when they, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm sure they were planning an in-person event and then by march they you know in april especially they realized well we cannot do this so to sort of like offset for the city they just donated money to businesses around you know i don't think that happened in 2021 or 2022 but i could see that being a factor of the benefits of having it in the community and not just on the island that is apple park you know Mm -hmm. um and, and san jose is close enough to cupertino like it's the same general area where San Francisco was like, Oh, I need to, you know, spend between 45 and a minutes and an hour and a half on the freeway to get, get over there, you know, one way. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's out of the question that they could go back to exactly what we had in like 2019. Uh, it could, it depends what the executive team want to do, right? Like they could do it that way again, but what they showed on Monday was if they don't want to do that anymore, if they want a bit more control, they could host 
a decent sized event with interactivity and with you know satisfaction from media and developers on campus in a in a slightly more fully fledged fashion when covid is completely lifted right but uh, i think it's but now it's interesting to see whether they go on path a or path b back to you know back to how it used to be but it's definitely it was definitely eye-opening to me because i I didn't expect it to go quite as like smoothly or quite as well if you see what i mean i don't know why i thought that but it felt it felt like less of a hack at the end of the day than what i kind of thought it might be going into yeah and uh i guess lastly for me on this i'm the fact that they did open up steve drops theater as a demo area at least the, the top floor um makes me feel pretty good about like you mentioned the iPhone event in September, what they do mm-hmm. next. So, you know, as long as there's nothing surprising that happens between now and then, it feels like they they could like that could be an actual live event, you know, streamed live. Yeah, because again, this one, they had to invite like all those developers to come on site, right? They sure. if they if they only invited the press that were there on Monday, then there'd be a lot less footfall to worry about. They could spread people out more they could do it inside i'm you know fully if, yeah, if they and, and, to. and they were inviting press as recently as like you know the last few days before the keynote so um that was kind of i mean that was i think you know obviously developers were the priority there and then i think press was you know let, let's wait and see what conditions are like closer to the time and then they just happened to i guess they really they really were pleased with their solution of like half inside half outside and it worked out but, but yeah, if you if you weren't watching the events, um, if you weren't following, you know, certain people on Twitter, you would only have seen the the video, which was only you know as uh, it was re- it was as remote as every other keynote from Apple in the last couple of years. So it was a funny twist. Uh. Happy Hour this week is sponsored by Nutrafol. You can preempt thinning hair with Nutrafol's whole body approach to hair growth. No drugs and no compromises. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth thickness and visible scalp coverage and it is 100% drug free formulated by physicians using natural botanical ingredients Nutrafol's hair growth nutraceuticals go beyond genetics to multi-target the root causes of thinning including stress, hormones, nutrition aging and lifestyle factors with whole body health in a clinical study men show progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after 3 and 6 months it's also trusted and recommended by more than 3,000 top doctors. Physician formulated using natural medical-grade ingredients, Nutrafol's drug-free patented technology provides consistent and reliable results without compromising your sexual health. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com men and entering the promo code HAPPYHOUR to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer available anywhere and it's only available to US customers for a limited time. Plus free shipping on every order. Get fifteen dollars off at nutrafol.com slash men. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men. Promo code happy hour. One more time, nutrafol.com slash men, promo code happy hour. Thanks to Nutrafol for sponsoring the show. Uh, so first up was iOS 16, but but kind of before that, you know, was that was the Tim Cook intro, which included a pretty big recap of developer efforts over the last you know, few years, um, including, you know, mentioning the developer center across the street, mentioning um, different app incubators in different regions of the world. And then also mentioning from, from last fall, some te- uh, tech talks, you know, that mm-hmm. were like post WWDC, but like just, continue. which basically suggested they were going to do them again. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. And, and I remember yeah. those from 2013 after iOS seven, 
it was like in the fall they were like tech talks and i think they were in-person events um yeah they were in person they're like little they do like little workshops in like 30 cities around the world yeah they were all major cities it was like paris france you know like it was like that but um that that was all at the top and and then then you get into the good stuff ios 16 so the so craig fittery comes out to talk through ios 16 and the first thing you go straight into is the lock screen changes he called it the biggest update to the lock screen since the original iphone I think that's fair. It's, you know, at the end of the day is a lock screen where it opens access to your phone, but they have given it a lot of flexibility and customization. Uh, You, by default now, they're kind of pushing for these like portrait mode style photos where if you have like a subject in the foreground and a separate background, it would detect that and you can place your face over the time element. So it kind of does that little like clipping effect, like what the portrait watch face did on the apple watch for a while interestingly you don't actually need it like to set a portrait photo in that in that style you don't actually need to be a portrait like a a taken with the portrait camera in the camera app right it can be any photo and it's applying essentially like machine learning ai to work out foreground and background yeah it's like a whole whole new feature this year across the os's is the ability to um you know select or, or long press on an image and have it pull out the subject of the image and recognize that things around the subject aren't what you're looking for. And it almost creates like a, like a, like, you know, I, I, I message stickers, like one of those, mm-hmm. you can't put them over messages. They're only like in line as a new message. But I think that's going to be, you know, aside from the lock screen customization, I think that's going to be one of the big things that people do this year because you can make them out of anything and send them off. And um, I think that's, that's going to be a popular trend this year. Yeah, like all this lock screen customization stuff, you can do cut, you can set photos with styles and like Instagram style filters. You can change the font of the time. You can change the different colors. Uh, like, and interestingly, the default font now for the time is completely separate to the font that was available in iOS 15. So, like, if you just want it to look like last year's lock screen, you can't because they offer you like six font options for that clock and none of them match what like the thinner font weight of iOS yeah, 15. They all have their own font weight, you know, and I, I've wanted the font to at least get like, like heavier, you know, mm-hmm. thicker, bolder, um, just because it has looked dated to me that the, the time is just so sparse. And also like just the way it would work. I feel like, uh, it's like before I, if it were more, you know, bold or dense, I could have certain photos and it wouldn't feel like the time was blended in in like an ugly way. Um, they've, They've definitely addressed like like style and just like the general appearance of this with the new font options. Not infinite, you know, not as much customization as you could ever want, but um, it, there's you know as as a one year feature, I think is enough there that you can have fun with it. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good start for like the one point It really does feel like Apple Watch customization when the Apple Watch was brand new. You know, like the, that kind of amount of options that they gave you. Uh, yeah, and with, on like, that the regard. In that regard, it's like the, is it called Typeface, the Apple Watch that has like basically a lot of these font options? Um, mm-hmm. uh, numerals, numerals. Is numerals cool. is the one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because like every watch face can't do this, but numerals basically has versions of these fonts. As yeah. And like the rails, the, the rails look, I used to run that on my Apple Watch for like two year, two whole years. That was yeah, my the, face. Numerals the rails, rails look is uh, you, you're combining last year's font twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does look cool though. Yeah, it does. And as rumored, you we now have widgets on the lock screen. 
as I think you kind of leaned on in last in last week's episode when we were talking about prediction stuff, they're not the widgets that you get. Like they're not home screen widgets. They are a different type of widgets that are basically like complications. And in fact, on the developer side of life, you can now write code that the same code can generate a widget for the iPhone's lock screen and as a complication for an Apple Watch face. So they're they're kind of unifying them pretty closely. And that means that all of the lock screen widgets on the iPhone are basically informational. They're quite subdued in palette and stuff because like a lot of the lock a lot of the home screen widgets from iOS 14 and stuff, they they kind of lean into like bright bold colors and gradients and fills and stuff. Whereas what they're going with for the lock screen is much more subdued, much more like like outlined complications stuff yeah, they, and you they can, need to be transparent so you can you know see, see your picture them. behind exactly yeah. yeah or or you know you can make them infinite number of colors based on the, the style picker there but, but yeah you it has to be completely you know where you can see behind it yeah very, very yeah and, and apple offers like what you'd expect you can put like batteries calendar events activity rings Stocks. weather <laughs> <laughs> yes, stock. I, I, yeah. jo- I joked a couple of weeks ago we were doing a Twitter Spaces on Nine to Five Mac um, on Twitter, and uh, we were talking about you know what what do we think they'll have, and I was like, well, they're definitely going to put stocks there because Apple thinks everybody trades stocks, but really it's just like you know weather stocks, like those are the basic apps that are just kind of even if you don't use them, they demonstrate what you know can be. They prove app. the concept, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and those have always been that way. I mean, people actually do use stocks for sure. And when they added the Apple News section for financial news, that was smart. But yeah, it's just one of those core apps that you're going to have expect to have. And of course, that was going to be one of the examples. Uh, but it's like it's like four complication slots if you're looking at just the like like round slots, or and then some of them are are two by uh, one. One by two, I don't know how you say that, but like one, yeah, like two by one, yeah. Pick up two slots and two, two across, one high, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, and so you get like three or four gaps below the time, and then you get you can set a complication for that date area. So where it normally just says like Monday, June the sixth, you can then have a little text only complication, like a monogram style to the right of it, where you can have another inline thing, kind of like the dial um, complications you get on that. What's that infograph? analog or whatever it's you know what i mean on yeah the Apple Watch, yeah one. and it's, it's also kind of like um they updated they updated some of the the like for the siri watch face for example they've got the, the clock there but then they've updated the above portion to have like different more styles of complications over the years like you can have i think weather as a number and the weather condition as an icon now those like it's it's it has to be the date you can't have no, you can't have it be empty there and you can't have it be just information it's, it's the date plus something um, and I don't know if those are, are those developer accessible or like, can, can an app make a version of those or, or an app can make a complication that can go in that, in that text line. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it'll always have the date there. So in the current beta one, you have to have the date. Yeah. The date doesn't go away. I've, I've already felt a feedback to ask for an option where you, it's just like a non option. So it's completely blank because sure. I and, think that looked pretty nice. Yeah. And, and in the beta, you know, I think it's a little bit tricky to kind of, make a, a lock screen that you love that takes advantage of all the, the widget slots because there aren't third party options yet, but mm-hmm. they will be there. Like that's a thing from day one. Um, so right now it can be like, if you want to put all the weather stuff there, it can get kind of redundant. But um, once we've got third party apps available in the app store, when this launches in the fall, then then it'll be a lot more fun to play with. Yeah. So currently I've been trying it just with a activity rings, circular complication below. And it's really nice because you can, you know, when you open your phone, you can just see the ring status. There is, I don't know if this is like a, 
a beta bugginess or this is actually how it's going to work but unfortunately when you turn the phone when i when i wake my phone the activity ring is grayed out and not filled with data it's like I think it's personal i think you have to unlock your phone but that's just stupid like i agree but i think because that-, that means every single time i look at my phone like the information i want to glance there is grayed out until i'm ready to unlock like ideally i should be able to see my rings bef- while it's doing the face id process and then i can just swipe yeah, I so. think that, I think that's like classified as like health data that you know you got authenticated. Oh, but to that's see. not sensitive, is it? Like, no. I've, I've, <laughs> if I've elected to put it on my lock screen, I feel like it shouldn't count as sensitive. Yeah, and that's something that should be worked out before, like say an iPhone 14 Pro ships with an always on display, and you know you want to be able to glance at your rings without. You yeah, there should be configuration options for that. Like, it is nice that the lock though on the home screen is not gigantic when you have mm-hmm. Face ID. Yeah, and it kind of just like disappears now, whereas before you just always see the open lock yeah. icon. So yeah, like uh, the stuff like activity rings, and I presume it's the same for like calendar events as well. Like if it's if it's basically um, redacted until the face ID is unlocked, it's the features a lot less useful than I first imagined it. So hopefully they can at least offer because with notifications you can choose: do you want the notifications to be hidden or revealed? Right, depending on your unlock status. And why can't you just choose the same for complications? So like my activity rings can just always be visible there because otherwise it's it's distracting because there's like a random flash of content as it finally unlocks and B, not very helpful because when I'm going to glance, it's grayed out. So hopefully that gets improved. The other thing that kind of combines with this customization of widgets and fonts and colors is backgrounds. So they've really expanded the wallpaper selection. You can't even really call them wallpapers anymore because they've kind of like blended classic wallpapers with like dynamic wallpaper. I mean, for the last... W- dynamic wallpapers were added with iOS 7, right? And they were just yeah. those stupid little bubbles. And they yeah. never they never added onto them at all. They added one new color in iOS 8. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. They were dynamic as much as, you know... And then um, when Live Photos is. came out with the iPhone 6S, they let you set a Live Photos as the thing, and that could do a bit of animation. But basically, you've had static images for the entire life of the iPhone. Well, now you can have pure, full dynamic backgrounds as well as lock screen widgets yeah this is like android in 2010 where you know they yep. animated lock screens but android uh, went all in on live wallpapers then they pulled back on them for a while and then they got back into it again yeah. and so like they've gone through the full cycle uh, circle of life while apple's just like sat on the sidelines yeah. doing nothing and, and you'll hear a lot of you know android says like oh how but it's nice to finally be able to customize your lock screen you know on, on an iphone that we android's had it for years but i don't think um you know, and even maybe down to like the, the, the typography choices, but I don't, you know, I was talking to some Android users and, and there's pretty much a consensus that there's never been a feature where you can have the time behind, you know, an element of your photo and people love that. Um, where it like overlaps it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like at best there may be a third party launcher that does that, you know, where you can basically, you know, basically like, you know, if you wanted to replace the home screen on your iPhone, like you, can't replace how things are organized but on android you can and maybe there's an app for that but don't know but that, yeah the, the one of the things about these these you know quote-unquote wallpapers a couple of things one german nailed down that they were widget like mm-hmm. wallpapers because there literally is one for weather and i mean it makes the weather app like the, the really pretty part of the weather app your wallpaper yeah <laughs> and, that's what i'm using at the moment it's pretty cool yeah, yeah. um the other thing is, and I don't know if this will this will change before iOS 16 ships or not, but all of the pre like pre supplied normal wallpapers that you just you know they're a static image or live wallpapers from iOS six and on, those are all gone. 
And you only have those if you update and don't change your wallpaper. Like, <laughs> like you know how every iPhone, you know, from 11, 12, 13, and then pro versions, they all have their own unique wallpapers for that mm-hmm. phone model and they don't go over you know, to your, you know, so those are just all gone. There's no more option for that. Uh, and the gesture where on the, you know, animating ones, you like, pick up your phone. I think you've got to press into the screen or long press the screen to get the yeah, animation. Yeah, it, it used to be it used to be yeah, 3D touch, but obviously they got rid of that, so now it's just long press. Yeah, yeah. well, that's totally gone because the long pressing is where you go in to customize the, the lock screen. So um, even if you have it carried over from updating, it's not going to animate anymore, at least a beta one. But I think that just... Yeah, so the, so the and, and wallpapers, unlike widgets, are not currently accessible to third-party apps. So a third-party app cannot provide a wallpaper it's it's only what's built in so you get weather color gradient the kind of pride band one the unity one the the stripey one there is actually one that looks like the dynamic wallpaper actually i've just found that but um there's like they're called bokeh so they do exist if you want the yeah they they brought those dynamic. back they, they're they're or those are the ones that carried over but um, yeah the dynamic one yeah they've um, got a, they've got a collection of emoji where you can customize which emoji and what pattern it uses which is wild yeah, I, I've like. Yeah. And they support out of the box the ability. To- to have your whatever your lock screen wallpaper is, you have the same thing as your background on the iPhone, but you now have the option to make the the wallpaper on the iPhone like beyond the lock screen, your home screen, have that blur for legibility, so you can see the text and icons without you know a mess. Um, that's that's kind of neat. And I I found that uh, I mean I, I've done a lot of examples of just trying out photos and seeing what pops out you know over the time and everything. Um, but I, I found that the gradient option, which just lets you pick color combinations and color options and how the gradient flows, I, I found that to be my favorite feature because it's always been a just, especially when you like post your home screen online and you might not want to have pictures of your kids and everything there. Yeah. Um, I find that to be a, a great option. And, and this supports like having multiple lock screens so you can swipe between them and save them. Um, and, and speaking of, you know, kids. In, in the keynote, I was surprised, you know, Craig had his two daughters on his lock screen and, like, used that as the example, which is kind of cool, kind of personal. Do you think you're going to use the swipey between lock screen stuff? Like, I just feel like I'm going to settle on a design and just leave it, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, that's basically what I do with watch faces, too. You know, you kind of, yeah. Maybe, maybe you have two or three that you, that you go between sometimes, but, um, like, like, I, I definitely would. You know, my default though is just a gradient, but I've I've got saved some of the like um, rocket examples where the rocket peaks over the, the time, or um, you know, my my kids. So, but that, that I I wouldn't want to use that every single day, and um, you know, just just for what we do. They do have some integration with focus mode, so you can like set up a focus that's then linked to a particular lock screen. So depending what your focus is, you can have a different lock screen wallpaper and setup, which is kind of neat. So like you could have like a work and home one, so the home one's more fun and flamboyant, and the works one's more serious and boring, maybe. So there is some cross integration there. I don't think I'm personally going to care about that stuff. I'm just happy I can put like 
weather on the lock screen in either in in either incarnation in terms of the wallpaper or in terms of just a little temperature readout and stuff and activity rings are cool too like that's all i've been hoping for for years when i've wanted lock screen customization and they definitely gave us that uh they also teased um this thing called live activities which are basically like rich notifications that kind of update over time and this is one of the this was a common trend with this uh, event they explicitly called this out as coming as an update to iOS 16 later this year. So they're kind of admitting it's not going to be ready for the point zero. Yeah, there's a lot of sneak peeks in this. A lot of um, sneak peeks, yeah. Yeah, when when they showed, you know, we'll talk more about live activities in a moment, but when they showed the alerts coming in from the bottom on the lock screen, I thought I almost had it. You know, I, I kind of threw out there last week or week before where, you know, one, one change could be with the bottom focus stuff, alerts from the bottom. I was like, oh, I got it. But no, just the lock screen. Yeah, it's on the lock screen, which I guess makes sense because that's where your fingers are. Mm-hmm. But if you're un if you're unlocked, they come down from the top as normal. You can also do this thing where if you like pinch on them, they collapse just down into a number, so you can just have like one notification, two notification in between the torch and the camera buttons, and that can be an option that you set up in settings too. So it's just always a count. So if you don't want something big and bulky like the actual bubbles of the notifications, you can just have a little number. Interesting option. They didn't really have any other like notification filtering or managing stuff this year it was mostly just around presentation yeah yeah the i i did kind of guess you know maybe maybe with this change we'll see the now playing player change like its placement and everything and they did that like the now playing screen has been the same for years on the lock screen and now it's you know much more like like it's compact and it's at the bottom. And as an example of one of the live activities, I think you also, you also showed off timer. And then there can be third-party versions of these. So that's going to be fun to see. Yeah, and they they showed like Nike Run Club and it would like show your current workout and the, the miles and the time would update in real time. Mm-hmm. And they also showed off like a sports live activity. So you can see like the sports score with like rich text and it'll say like the, the most recent play and stuff. So the live activity stuff is really interesting. I think it's um, really good too, like compared yeah, to having... Yeah. And I think yeah. you can only have one at a time though, it seems like, which might might be a bit awkward like i think it'd be cool if you could just have set up like three or four to go at once but yeah and and one thing to point out is that the apple live activities support interactivity the live activity api for developers won't be interactive not this year yeah not this year at least but it, this is a solution to like say you order a uh, coffee from starbucks and you get the alert that your order was made you get the alert that they're working on it you get the alert that it's ready you get the receipt later on um, all those can be instead of you know separate notifications that keep pinging you because it's the same event. They can be a, a, a live activity um, where it just shows like a progress bar, and and that's what you really want. Or you know the, the thing with sporting events is when you really you don't really want an alert. Everyone the score changes. You want an alert of like you want the current score, so you have that there. Food delivery is another one. If you you know do Uber Eats or something, and there's, there's a lot of that. You know your order is being prepared, your order is being picked up, your order is on the way, your order has arrived. You know, please leave a tip. Um, there's a lot of alerts for one thing, and and I, I like that they've got a solution for that. And it wasn't something I thought about them doing really. So so that having the fix for the problem is is cool, and it looks well implemented. Of course, we we'll have to try out when it's available. But it's not yeah, yeah. And you can even imagine them maybe mirroring those live activities to like Apple TV in future, or even like a HomePod with a screen. Like that'd be a cool little like dashboard kind of UI. But you know, humble beginnings. It's, it looks like a good start. Then iMessage was like the next big thing they talked about. No social networking features, <laughs> but mm-hmm. what you do get is the ability to edit a message you sent. You can undo and delete a message you sent, and you can mark a thread 
as unread finally, which is great because for my email inbox, that's how I do it. I just if if a, if the, if a thread is unread, it means I've got to deal with it, and so I just use Mark unread constantly or Mark as read constantly. And you've never been able to replicate, replicate that experience in messages because they never used to let you mark as read after you'd already read it. Mark as unread after you already read it. So now you can just swipe on a conversation to mark it again, which is nice. Mm-hmm. There's been a bit of controversy about the old editing stuff, like sure. abuse or manipulation. I think most of that stuff is probably overblown. You can only edit within the first. You can only edit or remove within the first fifteen minutes of sending it, and it has a little subtitle, which is like. This message has been edited, so I think it's pretty obvious. If yeah, it's been just like, just like it shows delivered or or read, you get that mm-hmm. that little label. You can't see what's changed. Uh, I think Facebook does it where you can see what it used to be. Uh, Slack just shows edited, I believe. Twitter, we don't know what they're going to do, but <laughs> this, it's it's well done. You know, like like you mentioned, the fifteen minute limit is a, is a good thing. Um, There's a cool animation if you do delete them, like the undo send it like blows up like a balloon. It's pretty yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, if you if you're you know you're talking to somebody that hasn't updated yet to the, to the new software you know come this fall they'll still see your old messages so um, <laughs> yeah that's a thing it's got to be the latest software um, and, and you've got that like it's, it's also kind of funny you've got a trash can for your deleted messages so you know some another thing to maintain you know auto deletes after a month but that's interesting uh, shared with you now as an API so third party apps can also do that annoying shared with you thing. Uh, they do, they're adding share played messages so you don't have to initiate from a FaceTime call anymore you can go direct into a message thread to watch something together which is nice because I think a lot of people kind of wanted that where they didn't want to mm-hmm. do video chat but they still wanted to do like a shared experience using share play so now you better do it direct to messages um, dictation they've got an interesting update for so in like iOS 15 and earlier dictation was like this holy modal experience where you couldn't do anything else but talk and then when you were done talking, you press done, and it would like commit all your transcription of, of what you dictated. Whereas now it's more of like a kind of just like an uh, like a a multitasking kind of situation where it listens and dictates for what you're type for what you're saying, but also you can just edit with your finger and type if you want to, or you can make a selection and talk over and just replace and edit around, which is pretty cool. And they showed off like it will automatically insert punctuation if so if you phrase your sentence as a question it puts a question mark on the end and stuff pretty nice improvements for dictation and you can add like emoji by speaking the emoji out which is cool i don't use dictation too much right now but the way that it demoed pretty well and i definitely think a lot more people dictate in general like i've seen a lot of normal people use the dictation stuff and it's really useful as well if you're not um speaking english like foreign languages especially the ones that are hard to write out with the weird character sets dictation is a huge uh boon there however the new dictation experience uh is limited to only a few languages to start with so i don't actually know if it applies right out the gate um there's an app intense api which is basically a way to kind of streamline the shortcuts experience we'll have to dig into that a bit more to really get what the the difference is for live text uh you can now do the live text dragon selection stuff from a video so before it was on photos, now it does on video frames as well. Although I think you have to pause the video for it to actually do it. So I don't know if it's that that much different from just like taking a screenshot of it. But anyway, it's a, few, it it's cool. a little, little neater, yeah. Yeah. The the live text stuff, if it detects a currency amount, you can tap on it and it will give you currency conversions, which is neat. It will do translation in line. And in the Translate app, they now have like a dedicated camera tab. So you can kind of do the kind of like uh google lens style experience where you hold it up and it translates what you can see 
It added a live text API, which is very nice because with iOS 15, it was only available inside of Apple's apps. Now they've given you APIs, so third-party apps can offer live text too, which makes a lot of sense because it feels just something that should apply system-wide, but last year there was no way for a third-party app to actually expose it. Now there is, and like we mentioned earlier, you can do the visual cutout thing where if you hold on a subject, it pops it out like a little sticker and you can drag it around. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to use the sticker stuff much. It was a cool demo, but I don't know if it's just one of those like gimmicky things and stuff, but we'll see, I guess. It, I've been it, using it a lot on the, cool. on the iPhone, and I mean, you can pull things out of an image on the for, web. For practical reasons or just for like entertainment, like for fun, if you see what I mean? I don't know. Oh, I, it's, it's all for fun, yeah. and it's very fun. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you think about the iPhone, you know, you don't you don't even think of it as drag and drop, you know, like you do on an iPad or a Mac, but, mm-hmm. but you, you know, there is some of that where you can... you. you you know, press into the image, it pops off the image, um, you know, with another finger, you swipe up and then you go to the app you want to use and then you drop it there. So um, I found that it's, it's, it's pretty fun, pretty good and, and a smooth enough workflow. It's definitely fun. Uh, Apple Wallet, they're letting you do the ID card presentation stuff to apps. So not just, this will probably get faster rollout than waiting for like police in states to actually do it because they give the example of like, if you're ordering from Uber Eats, you'll be able to do like, um, secure presentation that you're over you're, you're, that you're of age to be able to buy alcohol and stuff which is kind of a cool idea um, again it's still rolling out city by city state by state depending on local laws you can share they're going to support the so like keys for getting into rooms and hotels and houses and stuff they're going to adopt an industry standard so you can share with non-iPhone users which is nice and then they had they introduced Apple Pay later which has obviously been long rumored that's a thing where you can buy something and in the apple pay sheet you can either pay it all in one go like before or you can pay in four payments spread across six weeks with no interest and no fees assuming that you pay on time and don't let it uh don't go into debt yeah and and there's still an element here of like credit checking so it isn't just you can't just you know do it if you're you know a 13 year old boy um but you know so there's an element of that there um and the new thing that we've learned since the keynote, you know, is that a few weeks ago, Mark Herman had reported Project Breakout, which was an initiative within Apple to for future finance products to have everything within Apple and not have a partner for it um, so that they have more control over it. And then this is the first of that. So buy now or Apple Pay now. A- Apple Pay later. later. <laughs> Apple yeah. Pay later. The category is buy now, pay later. The feature is Apple Pay later. Uh, that That's all through Apple, they're doing the credit check. It's a it's a subsidiary, a wholly owned subsidiary of Apple, but it's Apple Finance. But and, and they say that there's not going to be like you know sharing of information between the two. But um, but but they're using Apple's money to to back up this program. So, and if you think about it, it's basically like you're trading the one percent, two percent interest you could get if you bought it all in one go with an Apple Card for deferring the payments into four separate sections. Yeah, and not getting the interest return. I also think it will be easier to qualify for using this than it is to get the Apple Card. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Again, kind of icky financial services, but if you if you've accepted that Apple does the Apple Card, I don't think this is much different to that. Uh, Apple Pay order tracking. This is cool. So this is like the deliveries app, but just built into the wallet app. So receipts, delivery tracking information just appears at the top of wallet while you're waiting for packages to arrive. They said they were working like directly with shopping partners and and merchants for this it wasn't entirely clear to me like how you get an, a package to show up there like does it just happen automatically do you have to buy it through an app on the iphone for it to like register it wasn't very clear to me how that worked but 
the end resulting feature was was cool. Yeah, I think it's got to be a through a card in the wallet app at least, and then they they you know they mentioned Shopify as the partner that they have for launch. Um, and I think there's other things in there, but like, uh, it, 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 yeah, this is one of those features where I, I think if you could just add a tracking code, it would be pretty cool to have that in the wallet app. But that's not what it is yet. It, it's specifically like from the the vendor giving you your shipping information and things. And apps like Delivery, who do do it just by like typing in the code, they've been complaining in recent months that all of the shipping vendors have been closing off their unofficial APIs, which is making their apps slowly more dysfunctional and just not working. Right. So the way Apple going about it is by getting like strict deals with these providers so they can have like official interconnect and actually get up-to-date information. So, you know, at least in theory. When you go into the Wallet app on iOS 16, you can see the orders button and it does have like a search field into it, but typing doesn't do anything. So it's not really clear to me how it, how it works. Yeah, there's no manual entry. The The good news is that by at least partnering with Shopify from the start, Shopify is behind a lot of online retail. So um, that's nice. To, you know, so I, I think presumably the Apple store will do this. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think you could you could even do like um, track if you do like same day delivery kind of thing with a courier from Apple store. I think mm-hmm. you can check that there, too. So. It's nice. I, I look at my wallet app and it's a lot it's a lot more bare of like what all the features can do. I used to try to use the wallet app to its fullest potential. Um but that was just kind of wanting to use all the Apple technology. Now the way the wallet app, you know, it's it's not a, a must have for me. Um like you know, obviously everything you do in the wallet app, you have to have a way of doing it without the wallet app as well. And I just find, kind of find those the analog methods, you know, what I do. But it's nice if you might use it for audio tracking though, especially if they like integrate it in like lock screen notifications or you can ask Siri yeah. about your, your package status and stuff mm-hmm. it's a good direction for sure maps oh Apple Pay Cash is still US only Apple Card <laughs> is still US only no no improvements there yeah. <laughs> yeah. maps they've finally added multi-stop navigation so you don't have to do point A to point B you can do point A, B, C, D or you can do point A to point B and then when you're halfway through your journey you can add on another stop to visit so multi-stop routing which is really nice finally um, for that one yeah. and they're like integrating transit more closely into maps experience so you know how you have like those like Apple Pay transit card stuff some of, some of those depending on partner deals will appear directly in maps you'll be able to top up directly inside a map so just some nice integrations if they apply to your local geography and hmm. um, they then had this interesting sports segment which is mm-hmm. quite funny mm-hmm. uh craig federer had a sports jersey on or at least a sports kit they kind of introduced it as like we, we care about sports deeply we're offering the sports tab in the tv app we just launched friday night baseball you get two games a week and now we got a really exciting update i was like oh they're gonna announce the um nfl deal maybe the major league soccer deal that they're supposedly working on two for like more T plus content. Uh, no, they <laughs> the actual news is about putting local putting sports news inside of the news app mm-hmm. as a tab, like right and- as a tab. Yeah, and you can follow teams and leagues. And Felipe Esposito did report this. Remember, he found Sports Kit earlier in the year. He wrote that up. This yeah. is basically that come to fruition. It's like it's like Cesar always said: sports is in our DNA. <laughs> he didn't say that for music. He said it for sports. Yeah. Uh, US, UK, Canada, Australia. If you care about sports, maybe it'd be cool. But I was hoping for something else. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Hour is brought to you by Mac Stadium, a leading innovator and enterprise partner delivering scalable and secure cloud solutions exclusively for Mac OS. Mac Stadium delivers cloud solutions to simplify Mac 
or business. Max Stadium's suite of advanced software-enabled infrastructure delivers the security, performance, reliability, and flexibility customers require for successful app development on Apple devices. Powered by Max Stadium, Orca, that's orchestration with Kubernetes on Apple, is the only virtualization layer available for Mac build infrastructure based on Docker and Kubernetes technology. Mac Stadium enables developers to create, build, test, and manage iOS and macOS app projects with simple, secure, and scalable cloud solutions for Mac. If you need to run macOS on real Mac hardware in the cloud, Mac Stadium is the place to go. You can spin up your first Intel or Apple Silicon M1 Mac instances in just a few minutes, serving industry leaders across multiple sectors, including some of the world's most recognized enterprise businesses. Mac Stadium provides a complete Mac toolkit for app development, Apple workspaces, DevOps, and beyond. So head over to Mac Stadium to learn more. Just click the link in the show notes and discover everything Mac Stadium can do for you. That's macstadium.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks to Mac Stadium for sponsoring the show. Uh, then they had a segment on family sharing. Uh, there's easier setup for children. If you all get a new device and you do the quick setup thing, you can now immediately like create a child account, set up restrictions or in one go, which is nice. Screen time requests can be serviced inside of the messages app. You don't have to go to settings or respond to notifications. They can just send you a message and you can reply. You can accept or deny from from within inside that. Uh, I don't have kids, but I, I, do, you, do you use the screen time stuff for your kids, Zach, or not? Oh, I have to. Otherwise, I'd be okay, broke. Okay, you do. Yeah. So do they, do they, do they always pester you for more time? Uh, I get pestered for more time. The biggest function, though, of it is, is having to um, approve purchases on the App Store. Mm-hmm. yeah which, which is frequent like <laughs> yeah we we have that too for our family obviously but i don't yeah. really count that as screen time but i guess it kind of is yeah yeah it's it's in that category yeah um and then they had uh the biggest one of the biggest announcements the entire day icloud shared photo library yeah long time coming not in the current beta so we can't try it at least i haven't found it nope nope but the way they described it, it sounded pretty awesome. You can have a separate library that everyone in your family sharing group can see and contribute to. There's a toggle in the camera, like the actual camera app, where it will like you can choose where when you're taking your next picture, whether it gets sent to your personal library, whether it gets sent to the shared library. You can, of course, import pictures that you've already taken to the shared library, and it can set up like automatic sharing for events and parties and stuff so basically you don't have to remember you you can opt in that you don't have to remember to change the switch every single time if you take photos near near to other people in your family group they will automatically get those photos as well showed up in the shared photo library and any new additions to the shared photo library are synced any edits to the photo library are synced any deletions are synced so it's basically what you want you get an entirely separate family-wide photo library that you can do whatever you want with them. It's basically what we've been wanting for literally ever since iCloud Photo Library came out in the first place. It's really cool. I, the only maybe limitations are I've seen some people say that maybe they don't want their kids to be able to delete pictures. Like maybe it should be read only for children or something. I, so I, can, like I can imagine that up. being a screen time setting. And screen time is like the name for overall parental controls. Yes. Um, and and, and yeah, before we had Craig Federighi and an Apple six colors tracksuit. There was, I mean, I think I've got the name right. Bertrand Charlet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Bertrand Charlet, he left Apple to go to a, um, a startup company that was very secretive. And he was like an advisor there and it was called up there and up there 
finally released their product, you know, around 2014 or so, 2015. And it was basically a Dropbox competitor. And the whole idea was everything's like streams from, from the cloud. You don't have to have anything local. Uh, and there was, a, they had a camera app that they added and the camera app would let you, rather than swipe between filters or modes, it would let you swipe between where the photo that you were taking saved. So you could have a family vacation, Hollywood, you know, whatever. And from that app, which has long been discontinued, the services got bought by Western Digital and it's totally gone. But I loved that camera feature because it just, it gave me so much inspiration for what like this iCloud photo sharing could do for families um, or Apple photos could do for families, which is in the camera, have a toggle for, I want this photo I'm taking right now to go to everybody. And you, and it's, it's just like any other toggle in there. Like it's just like flash. Um, you, you know, you, you tap that and for the length of your vacation or, you know, the photos that you're taking of your kids, you just toggle it on, tap it off when you're done. And, and those photos automatically get synced. So you don't have to, you know, manage it. And I'm so glad they did that because I wrote about that years ago as like, this is an idea Apple should steal. And they didn't go quite as far, but they did a very good job of it in an Apple way. I'm happy. About yeah. That. And this is, I was not, I kind of give up on expecting this, you know, and then they sure. come out with it. I'm like, yeah. So as long as it's reliable, it'd be a great feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they had a privacy segment, which is mostly revolving around this um, new safety check initiative. It's basically to help people escape abusive relationships, basically to get out of a family sharing group quickly and safely. It kind of sh- guides you through signing out of iCloud and other devices. So, you know, an abusive partner or something can't exploit you. You can stop showing your location. You can control your um, apps relationships and stuff. Like, I um, thankfully haven't needed this so far in my life, but I think it's a good feature to have. And the fact they didn't have it before was maybe a bit of a downside. So now you can quickly separate from a family sharing group and have that peace of mind and have that security when you're in a tough situation. Yeah, and, and that's the framing of it, which is, you know, it's, it's excellent for that purpose. I was, I've been thinking about this too, and just as like a, a single place to disconnect from, you know, a very integrated way of having all your information on your phone is, is really good. You know, I got divorced a few years ago and it's a long process of like, how do you, what do you do with family sharing? You know, what do you, uh, what all information are you sharing that, you know, even though you don't have the risk of abuse or something like that, like what all is just no longer appropriate and being able yeah. to have one place to do that and manage it, or at least see, you know, another part of this is you get to see everything that's being shared. Um, having one place where that's really good. Home. There was a lot of chatter about the Matter protocol uh-huh. the second year in a row. Yeah. Still no change, basically. Just you, it's coming. You got, you got some redemption here about something you said a while ago. Yeah. I said on this very podcast when we were talking about does Matter really matter, I said Matter is essentially an open source version of the HomeKit protocol. And the lady that presented the... I don't have her name, sorry. The lady that presented the home section, she basically said, we contributed HomeKit as the foundation of the Matter Protocol. So <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. And at some point, it will be available. They seem before. confident that in like in this calendar year, that Matter will be a thing that ships, like based on Apple's website at least. Don't hold your breath, but you know, I, the, I would the, say... The thing is, what I'm kind of expecting is like, the standard will be done, but it doesn't necessarily mean that accessories will be available. You know, I mean, it's going to be a very gradual transition, I'd expect. Mm, okay. A couple of years, I think, before. You know, like how HomeKit was like of out there and then there was only like 10 accessories for it for a while before it really exploded. Like, mm-hmm. kind of feel like the launch of Matt is going to be like that because it's not. And there's going to be classes of 
uh, accessory that just don't work well inside of the Mac protocol. So people are going to still have to use HomeKit or Alexa or Google Assistant and stuff. So it's going to be awkward, but it's a definitely a, a, a you know, so it's, it's a transition path that's slow and gradual, but at least they're on board. More practically, the Home app has been redesigned. They first off said, like, from an efficiency basis, they've made it more responsive, made it more efficient, especially for homes with many accessories. So if you have a lot of accessories, toggling stuff on and on should be a lot faster now to, to actually work. And they've redesigned the app. So the Rooms tab is gone. And now it's kind of just like in the Home tab, the rooms are just set in a carousel, not a carousel, but a scrolling list of like, rather than you having to like tap into each individual room, you just see all the accessories from all your rooms in one scrollable list. And they have little like filter buttons at the top to show you only your lights or only your shades or something like that. Look pretty good. I still maybe think it's not going to go far enough to really address it, but it's probably better than what they had before. So the the old, the old way is you had your screen number one was favorites and you had to, when I was really heavy into home kit, the best way I could use the built-in home app was to make every single item a favorite so that it was on the, on the first screen and that I wouldn't have to go room by room on the second tab to control things. And that's what this new design is. It's like, you don't have to worry about making it a favorite. Everything's on the first screen. On the Mac, they still have the rooms tab. <laughs> Probably on the iPad as well, since it's the Mac, iPad app on the Mac. But I, I like this approach. I think, it's- I think what they eventually need is, like, I think they could have kept the home tab and still had the rooms tab. So, like, the home's, like, the overview, and then the room just drills down into individual rooms. Like, I think what they eventually need is some way to know which room you're currently in. So that if you open the home app, it can just immediately show you the accessories that are nearby. And that would help a lot of use cases, but there's no way for them to detect that at the moment, unfortunately. Um, And, of course, you can get some widgets on the lock screen. They don't have... They haven't added, like, home screen widgets, which I think would be really useful for, like some of your most popular accessories to be able to turn them on and off from the and, and there's, screen. Th- there's no home app widget like on the home screen. It's all in control center and they don't have that level of, of access from, yeah, from these. Yeah, but if screen. you're on the lock screen, the little like complications, mm-hmm. you can see like temperature, room status, whether the lights are on or off, basically those kind of widgets now exist. Yeah, yeah. security. Yeah, good stuff. Now we have the CarPlay section, mm. which announced... Nothing shipping in iOS 16, but they gave you like a sneak peek of an incredibly wild new CarPlay experience where your entire car is serviced through a CarPlay UI. The dashboard, the instrument cluster, the entertainment screen, like e- even to the point where they, their demo was a f- like a, a car that just had screens everywhere. It didn't have physical speedometers or anything, and all of that was rendered by the iPhone and presented to you. What, what did you think about the CarPlay stuff? I think about the CarPlay stuff that looks really good. Um, it answers the question of like, what is, what has the CarPlay team been doing since the dashboard feature shipped a few, few gen- versions ago? It was a very cool feature, but there hasn't been much change to CarPlay. And it's been in the back of my mind of like, is CarPlay finished? Like is what they've shipped right now, what they think is like the best version of CarPlay? And I love that that answer. I mean, it's like maybe in your existing car, like CarPlay yeah. today, like it's it's pretty much done. Um, but I love that there's a bigger vision of CarPlay. Um, if if you go from driving a, a Tesla, you know, I've, I've done rentals and I've, I've you know, I've been at friends Teslas uh, to go from a Tesla to back to my my car with CarPlay built in is like CarPlay just feels 
Well, there's some elements that are that are way better, like reading a map is way better. <laughs> but then just like the basic layout and everything just feels like it's a toy in comparison. This new stuff that they're showing, they've had elements of some of this stuff over the years, like the ability to put maps in the center cluster on the dashboard. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been more expanded over the years. They've, they've had like CarPlay supporting weird shapes of screens, which is just taking the existing CarPlay like layout and making it bigger, showing you more app icons. But this is this shows their work of like what they've been, you know, envi- at least envisioning in design um, over the years. And, you know, the, the obvious joke was like, oh, this is the, you know, this is the CarPlay UI that they're showing us here. Um, and, you know. A- Apple Car UI, you mean? Yeah, yeah Apple Car, yeah. yeah, Project Titan work, you know, here. Um, you know, maybe it'd be fine for that. Uh, there was an article from The Verge that I think was well intended, but I think um, like poorly received or, or summarized, which was um, on day two after the keynote. So in the keynote, they say this is coming. Uh, expect announcements for cars with this available at the end of next year. So 2024 model cars announced later next year that probably, you know, realistically ship like in 2024. Uh, and that could be like it might be limited to really high-end cars at least to begin with (laughs) yeah it might be like one to three car models and then like we fast forward five years and it's it's like common in the way that carplay is now um but the verge article took like all of the brands i think that were listed on the screen or or you know someone's like you know partners um reached out to their pr you know asked the company for comment and everyone was like we have no comment or like basically that it was like we they're not gonna say anything additional and i think that's well-intentioned but i also think it's just what you would expect from yeah. a pr person like they're not gonna have prepared statements about cars coming in future years and like the pr person isn't gonna you know like this is a management to management agreement of like yeah this is our vision for in the future um i think there has been some i might be wrong about this but you know so don't quote me but i think there has been some um, answers to the questions of like, well, what happens in these cars when your phone isn't there because you have to have some basic functionality? Um, are you really going to have like two separate car UIs, the one from the manufacturer and the one from Apple? Um, but they'd have to, right? Well, I think it's possible. Like from from, I, th- I think it's been said, and uh, I'll have to find this. You know, may- maybe my next week I'll, I'll know. They can't but, sell you a car that doesn't work if you don't have your phone with you. That's no, but I, I think that I think that the idea is that some cars could use like the these carplay features as like like i think it's possible that you could have a car that without your iphone this is the ui that you get like they're just not right so it's not it doesn't have to have like the iphone to drive it it would just be the operating system right and maybe in the in in this next generation carplay which is like your dashboard's all screen you you've got screen across for your controls of you know air conditioning and everything and then you've even got like a passenger screen you know for even more information um and i think that's been shown on like a few cars as like a thing like it's not totally out of nowhere um and that's obviously like the progression of cars lately but um i i think with all of that like a bunch of that stuff could be standard and then yeah like, they still include the carplay experiences of you know today like among all of that and I and, like, and even that like that single screen like the infotainment screen right yeah even that on this future carplay was like dramatically improved you had like the weather app on there you yeah, had like yeah. controls and stuff like so even if it only ever ships is that update to that screen that's still way better than current carplay the, yeah. the stuff where they're like taking over the speedometer and you can like have like Apple Watch style digits of a hands and you know all those different options and stuff that felt a bit more maybe like 
some people in the car play team were getting a bit crazy one night. I, mean, I, just- I think it, I think it could happen, but but it's also you know like the you remember when they added Apple Maps navigation as one. Like- oh, I, but my pro- I don't think it's like technically impossible. We just I feel like that's going to hit resistance from yeah. the car makers because yeah. the car makers are going to want to be like, look, this is our car. This is what our car looks like. They're not going to want to divorce all responsibility and control for that to yeah. Apple. They'll let you take over the infotainment center, but I don't um, let you take over the entire car. On a technical level, I think a lot of the features that they talk about, like you know, being able to control your air condition, they've they've got a UI for that. But I think on a technical level, a lot of this stuff has been part of like it's been part of CarPlay from Apple and Siri for a long time, like the ability to lock your doors and things like that, or change the air, or you know, it's it's just there. I don't think there's ever been like a unicorn car that supports yeah. every feature that CarPlay has, you know. Like, and and so the, you probably shouldn't expect that here, but um, if if it's true, like what I what I think I recall <laughs> hearing at some point is like that a car could ship some of these features. You know, basically like this is their UI. They you know they they like what they see, and they're like you know why bother making something different? You know that that would be nice. Um, but but like you like you're kind of saying you know even on like a Ford Mach-E, which has the the big tall screen like Tesla Model S style, the older one, um, e- even if that takes more advantage of of you know new car play i think that that would be nice so i i I don't think it's vaporware i think there's a a high chance that in like three to five years we see this stuff and i I, and i'm glad they previewed it so early because i i did have the question of like you know someone who cares about car play and writes about it a lot is it finished do they is it abandoned like do they consider it done and they did have some new stuff for ios 16 with car play that wasn't announced in the keynote um it's but it's typical like it's the same progression as like recent years of carplay they've got um new app categories so you can now have apps that support um driving task and fueling and they mentioned driving task is like you know you can find road information toll support towing help those kind of things and and then fueling i guess is like apps for gas stations and things, things like that um so that's nice messages they <laughs> this is really small stuff that's actually shipping from day one but it's there um, when you ask Siri, when Siri reads back a message to you that you sent, I think as of you know, it's always been that you got to confirm like what it read back mm-hmm. to you as sending, and you can now have the option to just have it send after you have it read back to you, and, and you know otherwise you just intervene and hit edit, and then it doesn't send. Um, that's cool. And then in the pod, like this is a kind of a finally for me, the podcast app on on CarPlay, it's always been so limited compared to the, the podcast app on the iPhone and what it can do, like what it gives you access to that I can get away. I can get by with using the music app on CarPlay just fine. And I'll have to like look for something, but on the podcast app, there just hasn't, it, it's been very limited in what they show you. It's been like the listen now tab, but in CarPlay. Um, now you can look at unplayed episodes of a show, like see a long history of shows, like their episodes, um, see your whole library. It's it's a lot better. So I, I I was I missed it in like my initial look at like okay is there anything actually new here? But when I when I read more about iOS 16 and the release, I went back and looked for it. It's like oh wow, this is the whole app is exposed finally. You know you, you can if you know that you're looking for a certain show in your catalog, in your library, you can find it. Um, and then cool. yeah, and then lastly, they, they do show on like Apple marketing images the new iOS 16 um, you know wallpaper like the default <laughs> one as an option. Um, it's not in beta one, but if they added that more wallpapers, the better. <laughs> but, but I think last year they also showed off some, or, or, or they had different versions of the wallpaper that shipped and they never made like on the iPhone and they never put it on CarPlay. So, you know, not hold my breath for that one, but that's your yeah, CarPlay report. CarPlay is always a weird anomaly. 
and they don't let you set your own for who knows why. Right. Now I'm going to catch my breath. <laughs> yeah, so that was... I was 16 from the keynote. Obviously, we'd be talking about this for months and months to come, but that was the rundown of what they showed us on Monday. Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by Helix. Are you sleeping on a saggy old mattress? You deserve better. In fact, you might be laying down on that mattress right now as you listen to this show. If that's you, if you're in need of a mattress upgrade, that's where Helix comes in. Take the Helix sleep quiz in two minutes and get instantly matched with a mattress that is perfect for you. Tune to sleep preferences and body type. Helix knows that not everyone is the same. They have several different models like super soft, medium and firm. There's even a version that is designed to cool you down if you sleep particularly hot. Now, I'm jealous because a while back Helix sent Zach a mattress and as you've heard on the show before, he really likes it a lot. Isn't that right, Zach? Yeah, it is. The Helix mattress, I've got the midnight mattress. I took the sleeping quiz to to learn that that's the best mattress for my preferences. And it really is. Um, in in the past, like I've, I've been away from it when I'm moving between places or traveling, but I found a new way to appreciate it, which is um, it, it's kind of like when you have your new iPhone and then you kind of get used to it. And it's like, well, this is just the experience now. And you go back to your old one and it's like, oh, wow, I really have a new appreciation for my new iPhone. Um what, what I've done is lay down in my kid's bed and it's like, oh, oh, this is not good. I couldn't do this every <laughs> night. And then I go back to my bed and I'm like, oh, this is so good. So, yeah, I am totally happy with it and would recommend anybody check out Helix. And if, if you've got my preferences, midnight is the way to go. But take the sleep quiz and learn your own preferences and go from there. It's, it's really easy to do and, and kind of fun. Yep. So if you're looking for a mattress, just take the Helix quiz Order the mattress that you're matched with and it comes shipped to your door for free. You don't need to visit a physical store. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wide Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com slash 9to5mac, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress to give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty and you can try it out for 100 nights for free. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for happy hour listeners. So go to helixsleep.com slash 95Mac now. That's spelled H-E-L-I-X-S-L-E-E-P dot com slash 95Mac. Thanks to Helix Sleep for sponsoring the show. Yeah, Emil, have you scanned at your lobes yet with your iPhone? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have... AirPods that even support normal spatial audio, let alone personalized spatial audio. <laughs> yeah, this this is feature kind of it's like uh, what well, it uses Face ID, right? And so it uses depth. Uses the like camera, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of reminds me of when they added the TV calibration feature mm-hmm. for the Apple TV because it uses your iPhone true depth camera, uh, or you know your camera at least. This is like that. I haven't tried it yet either. Our colleague Rambo has. Yeah, me Rambo. I presume it applies to AirPods Max, right? It's not Correct. Just the buds. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were very impressed by it. So I, I, I need to try it out. I don't like spatial audio, like for music. I like it for TVs. Yeah, but and, that's because it's not been and, personalized to you. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome for TV and movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like it for music. A lot, mostly it's because it's like quieter. The music's quieter and it's just not, I don't know. Um, I know what you mean because they, what they do is they like the vocal channel is like always sounds further away when you yeah, play music in space. You're, you're de-emphasizing de- certain instruments and, and ramping up others to create that effect but um, for TV movies is awesome I, I'll have to try this before next week and report back but yeah. <laughs> yeah I had um, Sony headphones because they were doing like 
special video with like Deezer service. They so I had they sent me some like Sony headphones of like last year, and they had this kind of set of process where you had to like take pictures of your ears, and they would analyze it and supposedly improve the spatial effect. And I tweeted about it, and <laughs> they had a really funny like uh, terms and conditions screen where it was like. Sony will not, under any circumstances, do anything untoward with your earlobes. There was some really funny lines. So I had a viral tweet about that last year. But now Apple is basically doing the same thing, where they like use the true depth camera system to scan your head shape and your ear shape, and supposedly make it sound better. And I was all skeptical. I was like, is this really going to make a difference? But our, our colleagues in Antwerp Mac have done it so far. Been like, yeah, it really, it really does well, help. How, so how is it for for the Sony stuff? I couldn't tell. I couldn't. I I did it, but yeah, it 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 was like the same. I would say. Yeah, I, I was thinking last year we we'd make fun of that and be like the Apple way is better. It just works. And then this year it's like now now we can really do it better. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes a difference, fine. Yeah. Um, next, watch us nine. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we started off no third party watch faces mom, mom, mom. no but, but they do have four new four new faces mm-hmm. yes and they're all great they're all wonderful mm. remastered <laughs> astronomy that looked cool yeah they've upgraded the visuals upgraded the graphics you can see like the clouds going over the earth that's a theme over all these OSs this year they like yeah. showing you visualizations of the earth with clouds over it because obviously they're taking full advantage of their dark sky back end now they've they've uh, changed astronomy over the years too because it, on, the, on the first apple watch and the several versions of the software it was one watch face or no it was several watch faces right and then they combined it into one and then you just changed because you had it was you had the moon the earth and the solar system wasn't it just a customization option for the same face at one I'm point pretty they, sure it wasn't three separate faces it was you know, like how motion, you could choose butterflies or flowers or something. It was like that. It was You chose, you chose on that screen, do you want the Earth or do you want the yeah. Moon? Do you want I, feel the moon? Like a, I think there was a change at some point, though, that like streamlined it. And Anyway, this is a much... This is like 2.0 version of all of that. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> With much better graphics, full screen. Looks pretty cool. If you like astronomy faces, this looks a pretty good one. Luna is like a sundial... Another, they have a few of these, right? Where it's like sundial representations. This is another go at that with like twenty-four hour time going around the outside. Doesn't float my boat. What really doesn't float my boat is the playtime face. This is this has echoes of the, you know what I'm going to say, right? The what's it? I can't. What's it called? The cartoon person face. Yeah, it's in the same category as artists. They put it there. Yeah, artists. Yeah, yeah. it's like this is. They said it was uh, designed by an artist. It's called Playtime. It's like bubbly 3D numbers that kind of like have little feet on them and dance around. Who is this for? This isn't for you and me. Who is this for? Kids, maybe? Teachers? <laughs> Again, this is the kind of watch face that if it was in a app store of thousands and thousands of faces, it'd be like, yeah, cool. Someone's going to pick it. But it shouldn't really be in the set of the limited set that Apple prioritizes to produce. Under- yeah, I don't know how to say the artist's name, but I think it's Joy Fulton. It's spelled J-O-I and then Fulton. Um, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's playful. <laughs> it's weird. And Metropolitan, which I can't really describe to you, apart from the fact that when you scroll the crown, the numbers of the dial get stretched. Metropolitan cool, is the Hermes watch face for everyone else. Yes, it's yes. not as it's not as nice, but you don't have to buy the Hermes watch to get it. <laughs> it, it like that face. 
I think the the the, the stretchy the stretchy numbers is probably a bit of a gimmick, but just the design of the face I thought looked very nice. So out of all four of those faces, that's the one I'm probably more like most likely to actually use. You'd turn the dial once, choose whichever skew of the num of the numerals that you want, and then leave it as it is. Because it it's in that category of like California and I'm blanking on names today. What's the other one that's not California? Utility or no? The other like dial one. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's another one that's like that, but it's not California. I can't remember what it is now. But Meridian. That's what I'm trying to think. Okay, Meridian. Yeah, it's in that category. So that's the new watch faces, and they've gone back through a a few, a, a chunk of the old watch faces to add the richer graphical complications, including utility isn't that right yeah utility is my favorite watch face it's the it's the one with the most utility um this is one of the examples of watch faces where it was designed for the series zero through three got a weird update for the series four when when the screen size changed and and the corners changed and then since then it's never changed um what they did is they say they've added a rich complication support the the top Corner complications, you can now do like the Series 4 and later style where they're corner complications. But they didn't do the whole thing. Like the bottom one, that was like, used to be text flat. On Series 4, it became text wrapped around the clock bottom. They did, That's still the same. So you can't do four corner complications like you can on California. And so it's, 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 it's halfway there, but I'm still a little, little worried about it not being what I want. <laughs> Notifications, they have changed. This is, I think, maybe one of their worst decisions this year like they've they've taken so for me the apple watch is like one of its primary factors is to be a notification device right it it shows notifications you can reply to messages and stuff yeah but what this design change does is it essentially deprioritizes notifications in the same way that they are on the iphone but like on the iphone it makes sense because they're a little banner at the top of the screen and you can choose them you can carry on with the like the the active activity that you're doing but the apple watch is a lot more passive and you're just kind of like glancing at it and seeing stuff and so now what happens on watch os 9 is if you're looking at the watch face or you're in an app while a new notification comes in it just comes in this tiny tiny little banner at the top and then slides away it's like i really i I really don't like that it just like for me on the iphone yeah the app that you're using is what should get priority but on the watch the notification should be the thing they, they have a reason to take over the UI because they're what you're actually using a watch for. And that's at least one of my main reasons for using the smartwatch or the Apple Watch is getting the notifications there. You're running WatchOS 9 now, so you've had experience with it too, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've got the smaller watch version. I've got the bigger watch version. I don't have a complaint about it on the bigger watch version. To me, it just feels like faster and fluid and more like they're taking advantage of the bigger screen that they have. But I can see on a smaller watch how it doesn't feel that way and and just as as a matter of preference i think if there isn't already a toggle for it i feel like there should be a toggle in the way that you can say uh, an alert on the iphone could be a banner or it could be like the the modal center one that you've got to address but i can see how you would want to customize this i found it nice just because i unless well the banners are small but like the banners expand pretty quickly for me so um so far i don't have a complaint about it but i think having the bigger watch face or you know screen height it helps a lot too and they've changed the design of the notification as well. So, and this this part might just be like early beta stuff, right? So I'm not going to like drag on it too much. But they've taken out the labels of the app names now, and they're just kind of like simpler platters with the icon and then the content of the notification. But some notifications 
appear as one platter. Some notifications appear as two separate platters, like the um, the stand notification one. Like when that comes in, or not the stand, the weather. When you get if you if you have like um, rain weather alerts turned on. Now the design of that on WatchOS nine is so weird. It's like the top section of the notification just says like the app icon and it says rain. Then there's this big gap, and then there's like another platter which actually has like the content of the little graph, like the design of it, and the and it animates in a really weird way, and like it's it's not very good. It's no it's, the polish on it is not good, at least in beta one. But I'm I'm not gonna dish on that too much because that could improve. But I I do hope they add a toggle for the banner alert style because I don't like it. Slack alerts come in as two platters and you've got like a, a smaller platter, I think is the icon for the app. And the bigger one is the pro- profile picture. Um, it's, you know, I, I think it, I, I like it so far. It's, it's, Why? What does it do? It just looks stupid. That's well, okay. Yeah. You need a bigger watch face. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you have a bigger watch, it's less of a problem. But for me, every single pixel of height is really valuable. And now when they slip it into two platters, they put big padding over both sides. It's like, you're just making it harder to read what I wanted to look at. And the animations are worse. So. Uh, the other change they've made is that if you have a active activity going on in an application, like a clock, like an alarm running or a timer set in the timer app, now when you're in the dock, so that's like the app switcher, the Apple Watch, those active apps will be stuck to the pin to the top, basically, while the timer's running. So it's an interesting change where if you don't like it's your recent apps history has a bit of uh curation to it where it makes sense that if a time is actually running you probably want to go back to the time wrap if you're clicking that button so now it pops up at the top like that which isn't which is a decent change i think maybe they could take it further and like change that dock around even more like we we're talking about a previous episode but as a small change putting the active app first is fine um they're adding third party an api for third party apps to do voip calls directly on the watch you can't multitask, as you found out, right? <laughs> at, at least not for the phone app. I mean, that's that's something I look at all the time is can you be in an active phone call, even if the phone call is from your iPhone, not like a sailor watch, and close the phone app and like reference your email or something? And uh, no, you can't. They, they just haven't changed that yet. Um, I should file a bug report on that or feedback or whatever, but it's one of those things that, that I always look for. Um, but it's, that's specific to the phone app. Maybe it's different for, for new apps that take advantage of VoIP stuff. I, I doubt, it. I, doubt yeah. it. I don't know why they're adding this really, but I guess they're just making it so that if you are a FaceTime competitor, you can be competitive, I assume. Uh, see, like, you know, they, they had Facebook Messenger as, like, I think in WatchOS 2, as one of the the apps that they showed off as, like, coming to the watch now. And that's just the, the chat component. And I don't even know if it's still around. I think it is, but... You could you could have a VoIP, you know, section for that, just like you do on the iPhone or for WhatsApp or for you know all the different messaging platforms that have a voice component to it. I can see that being useful. And maybe if they are working, I feel like every year they're slowly working to make the Apple Watch just more independent. So maybe one day they can sell it separately from a phone, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so this, I guess, that's just part of that ecosystem. Uh, Workout app got a lot of attention, which is nice because that's one of the apps I use the most. Uh, they've added new metrics for when you're running so you can get a measure of vertical oscillation which is how much you're going up and down versus left and right uh stride length ground contact time uh there are new workout like pages when you're when you're actually in the workout that you can scroll between to give you different metrics including like a a cool visualization of like a heart rate zone so rather than just having like 
90 beats per minute 100 beats per minute it has like these five separate sections which kind of approximate five different gradations of intensity so you can see like oh i'm in the yellow zone now i'm in the orange zone now i'm in the red zone i'm working hard and you can even set goals to be like you know prompt me if i go a full down from the orange zone and stuff so there's some nice customization there um you can also set up like fully custom workout routines that let you add like structure and sets to your runs and then if you do the same route repeatedly the apple watch will automatically realize that and it will save the state of those repeated runs and allow you to easily compare to your previous time so you don't do anything manually which is cool and they're adding a multi-sport workout for triathletes which automatically switches between swimming cycling and running so you swim you get out and you start cycling, the Apple Watch's accelerometers notice that and they automatically switch over the workout app to the next mode without you having to do it manually, which is cool. Yeah, I, I did in uh, the Series 3 review. That was the one that I had before it was out. Um, added GPS and cellular. Maybe it was a Series 2. I don't know. Anyway, I wrote, I wrote years ago that they they need a way to recognize multiple workout types so you can just log, start once and then you know, ride your bike to the beach, jump in the ocean and swim a little bit and, you know, run a little bit, you know, maybe swim last so that you wear off the sweat from running. But um, the thing that they did, like in the next release cycle was add the ability to add a workout to the existing workout, mm-hmm. but not auto detect the different types. And like the triathlon is an easy example of what you might want to try um, for this feature. Uh, so I'm glad this, this came. It's good. All of this stuff, like the, the, the running features that they've added, it, it's, I think this is like, I mean, yeah, this is the biggest update to the workouts app since the, the original mm-hmm. version. The the last few years, it's been focused on fitness plus and time to run, time to walk, those things. And there haven't been these big leaps forward. And I feel like this is one of those big leaps forward where it's the, the, the Apple watch is a smartwatch is even more sophisticated. Yeah. And being able to try um, things like vertical oscillation and stuff that actually has like, they're cool stats and they have meaningful results that you can improve on and, you know, improve your posture, improve your move, improve your stride based on that stuff. So, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And the fitness app is now available to all iPhone users. So, kind of stupidly up to now, the App Store would not let you download the fitness app unless it detected an Apple Watch in your account. Now, everyone gets the fitness app with iOS 16. It doesn't... Fitness Plus is still doesn't let you see it unless you have an apple watch which i think is stupid they should let you subscribe to that anyway but what you get now if you don't have an apple watch you just get the like sharing tab and the summary tab and you can't track your stand ring or your exercise ring you only get the red move ring because it's basically off the accelerometer of the iphone and it'll track your steps and stuff but you get a basic apple watch fitness experience available to everybody yeah it's i mean it's, it's, it's neat it's probably just there as like a taster to try and convince more people to get a watch at the end of the day right but right right i think it makes sense to add it i think they should open up fitness plus as well like i think it will be very very confusing that it can't do fitness plus especially when you have the option that once you have an apple watch you can do a workout without the watch yeah. it's very confusing you know and, and they go out their way they, they they remove the entire tab unless you buy a watch but then when you buy a watch, the tab's there, and one of the buttons is continue without watch. It's yeah, like, listen, Apple, it's in your interest to let people pay you for your exercise program. <laughs> we, we have Apple One, but not every one of those six people that use it have an Apple Watch, and they would love to do the Fitness Plus workouts, but they just can't. So it's silly. Um, they did have some updates to the Sleep app, thankfully, because that has been sorely needed. 
They've given it a bit more utility. Now it can categorize when you're awake, when you're in the REM state, when you're in core, when you're in a deep sleep state, and you get a little like histogram graph out of it. It's, I guess it's a small... Is this, this is still like table stakes for sleep tracking, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, they've, so. they've gotten to the 1.0 version of the sleep app now. Yeah. And, and next they've got to work on like the 1.1 and, you know, like every third-party sleep tracking app that uses the same hardware as Apple and probably has less access and management capabilities is more sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that detecting... REM sleep, core sleep, deep sleep wasn't in the first release yeah. of the sleep. But, but good for putting it in now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're not quite sleeping on the job, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, in the heart health category, they now track atrial fibrillation indicators over time. They call this the first of its kind because it needs special approval by the FDA and they're the only company that have got it so far. It's basically like instead of instantaneous atrial fibrillation alerts, it can like track you over a two-week span and show you these hours, these particular days, this is when you experience atrial fibrillation problems. Cool. I think that's pretty cool. And mm-hmm. it's just continuation of expanding, like, the medical appeal, expanding the use of the ECG and stuff. So Yeah. I like that. And very much medically, they've now got a medications app, which lets you discreetly and conveniently track your medications, your vitamins, and your supplements. You can add in your prescriptions and what you're taking into this medications app on the iphone or on the apple watch you get notifications you can even just like scan the label of the bottle of 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 pills and it can add it to the app directly which is cool Mm -hmm. this has been something that's been rumored for a long time do you remember this like pill tracking app it was like four years ago i think mark Gurman talked about it or something and it never showed up but right here it is can you say vitamins again vitamins (laughs) nice uh i was i'm glad this is here there's some really it's really cool stuff like you can you know how you can share your health data with somebody else you know if you're Mm -hmm. um a caregiver to a relative that has an apple watch you know it's really nice that or an iphone even that that really nice to be able to to, to look at this information remotely um not just share with your doctor you know if if that's available but share with your caregiver uh this is awesome because this is all part of that uh, including like when you took it, you know, information. So if, you know, you're not getting the alerts that you need, like, you know, you're not fulfilling that you've, you've taken the medicine, then your caregiver can um, help out with that. So that's very nice. Um, the, the, the way that they've got the system for, you know, how drugs interact with each other is, is good. They even ask, um, there's like, a, there's like a, a so I, I've tried this. I take um, medicine in the morning and medicine at night. And uh, it was really easy to scan the label of the medicine bottles and populate the information in. Um, it doesn't assume the dosage level. Like, so uh, like say it's 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams, 50 milligrams. It can, it can read it obviously, but it doesn't even try to, I guess, to try not to pick the wrong thing for you. <laughs> um, it, it gives you the options available for that medicine, like what's in the database. And then you confirm that. Uh, and then the next step in that process is you get to create the icon for the medicine and you can give it a nickname too. So like if it's, if it's, you know, not the, if it's a ger- generic name for medicine, but you know, it by the, um, you know, other, other label name for it, then, then you can name it what you like, but they let you pick both the, the background of the icon and more importantly, the pill shape. So if it's a capsule, if it's just, you know, a round pill, if it's a powder, like all these different, you know, what, what a medicine could be they have in there. Um, and, and I've set it up for reminders in the morning for the morning meds and reminder at night for the night med. And <laughs> it's been useful for like, oh yeah, I should, because you know, part of the ritual for me is that I work from home. So I go from the bedroom to the living room, um, or, you know, office space and, um, 
you know, it's pretty easy to put off some things until later in the morning and then get busy and forget. And so the alerts, like I've actually been reminded and the, you know, on the, on the Apple watch alert, or I guess if you don't have the watch, I guess the phone does it then, but um, you get the alert at a time and then you can like in one tap, say log all the medicine and, and it, you know, you don't have to do one by one. So I found it very useful. I was confused on the first day of running the betas because it was like, I don't see it on the iPhone. I guess it's not shipping in the first beta. And then I kind of gave up, but then I saw it on the Apple watch, the, 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 the medications app. And I'm like, okay, so there must be some component. Oh yeah. It's on the health app. And, um, you know, once, once I did that, it was nice, but it'll even, there's even questions like, um, I think, I think it'll ask you about like interference with the medicine. And there are three things. There's alcohol, marijuana, and I forget the third, but, uh, it's, it's, a you know, I, I guess why it's been, you know, rumored and then not hasn't shipped until now is that it, it's a, it's pretty detailed. Yeah. It's a pretty, it's a, yeah, it's a pretty big endeavor and they, they've kind of nailed it. This doesn't feel like a half baked thing. This is like very polished. Any other comments about watchOS 9? WatchOS 9, um, I don't think that – a thing about a lot of the keynote and, and what the announcements were, were, you know, a lot of the stuff just didn't get reported or was reported in a way that you can understand how a game of telephone would change it. Um, so there were a lot of surprises, in, including in, in WatchOS 9. Now, some of the, like, high-level descriptors of WatchOS 9 were significant, um, new ways of navigation – and those are the kind of things where it's, oh, those, those aren't included here. So, you know, whether they're um, for future versions or... Just and the low power of, mode, that was the other big one. Yeah, right? yeah, low power mode is, is a feature. So, you know, low power mode, I can imagine, it's just like it didn't ship this year. Or, you know... Or it, it could be hardware exclusive, maybe. <laughs> that would be weird, but yeah, it could be hardware exclusive. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely looking for like, well, what's, what's the new way of navigation? And, and it was nothing like what I thought about it might be. And, you know, a yeah, lot when, of it when is, they were talking about like significant changes in that way, I was thinking, well, maybe they're going to change how the dock looks or the home screen, you know, maybe the honeycomb grid's going to go away as much yeah. as I like it. But all, all of those fundamentals are completely unchanged. Yeah. Yeah. They, they did do some things we, we talked about, um, you know, possibilities of what could change. And I, I'm, you know, I'd mentioned, I think last week that the calendar app was designed for a watch with force touch and force touch went away and the calendar app didn't address that. And so this includes a redesigned calendar app. So you can change the layout without having to go into the settings. This is where they, they hit it. Uh, there's a, just a, a dot, dot, dot button there that you can tap and change the view. And also they've done for the first time, something I've complained about for years in my reviews of watch OS and Apple watch is you can go to the month view on your calendar and you can, you know, let's say it's it's June 30th and you want to go to July 1st in your calendar and, you know, see what day Saturday is. You can do that now. You can go up to one year in, in the future on your month view of calendar and up to one this year. This is a in, really smart watch. <laughs> up to one year in the past. Yeah. So they Before, nailed it. You couldn't go beyond the current month you're in. They nailed it. They did it. <laughs> yeah. And, and with all these OSs, there's so many small little changes and stuff that we'll obviously get to in future episodes and stuff as it as it comes up this we have to have some sort of filter on keynote only otherwise we'd never stop talking but yeah i think watchers 9 is fine decent update but it's not as big as what i think we were some we were like hyping up to be in our heads based on some of the rumors described it watch os 10 it's all happening it's a big one watch os x <laughs> so now a word from our sponsor BetterHelp. check them out at betterhelp.com slash mac happy hour burnout affects us all Work life bleeds into personal life. It becomes overwhelming. Try as you might, we've all been there. Juggling too much at once at your job, combined with everything going on in your personal life. Symptoms of burnout include lack of motivation, 
feeling helplessness or being trapped, detachment from others, fatigue and more. I'm sure this is something you can relate to. I know it's happened to me before. Burnout is usually associated with work, but it isn't just about work. Overworking yourself is not the only cause. Any of the myriad of things we do in our daily lives can lead us to feel burned out. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritise yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what is causing stress in your life. Like it or not, we are in a world that's always telling us to push harder and do more, with pressures to sleep less and to just grind it out. But really, you need a reminder to take care of yourself, and trying some therapy is a great path to that. Therapy is a great tool to discuss your lifestyle issues with a neutral party who is understanding and responsive with advice. So, BetterHelp is customised online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash machappyhour. That's spelled B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash machappyhour. Betterhelp.com slash machappyhour. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. So before the keynote started, before like hours before it started, something very special happened, which is that the Apple online store went down, which is the ritual that happens before major new hardware is added. And I think this was the first time since 2017. Is that right? Sounds about right. Yeah. 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 And, and it, it meant, you know, there's a very high chance that we're going to get hardware at this Apple event. And uh, did we ever? Let's talk about the Macintosh. The Macintosh computer. So they uh, they started with the M2 chip. This is the second generation of Apple Silicon. Obviously, M1 arrived in October 2020. We've been waiting for them to begin M2 after they told us at the last event that the M1 Ultra was the last addition to the M1 family. Here is the M2 chip. As suggested by some of the rumors, um, which I believe we spoke about in the show last week, uh, TSMC is not producing anything lower than 5 nanometers at the moment. So what do you know? M2 is still a 5 nanometer process, still a 5 nanometer fab- fabrication, the same as the M1, but they've added 20, 25% more transistors. So you've got 20 billion transistors, uh, faster memory bandwidth. It That's an with an 8-core CPU, which, which the CPU cores are up to 18% faster than the M1. 10-core GPU, that's two more GPU cores overall up to 35% more performance than the M1 and they've upped it so now it can go up to 24 gigabytes of RAM whereas before the M1 could max out at 16 now you can get up to 24 you can speculate about how they're going to double and quadruple this for bigger and bigger devices but we can obviously talk about that in a future episode for now let's focus on what the M2 is shipping in they announced the all new MacBook Air and this redesign is i think the easiest way to describe it is it's like the macbook pros from 2021 but thinner is that that seems pretty fair yeah it's fair it's fair and 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 the m2 adds the like the the video bits from the m1 pro that make like the afterburner card for the mac pro you know in it like built in so that's that's the difference as well the macbook air i'm i'm you know it looks really good we did not get the rumored colors that were um you know kind of floating around the community for a while uh you've you've got uh silver and space gray as before just like on the macbook pro 
their gold was replaced with starlight, which is like what we, you know, a silver iPhone was replaced with starlight. So it's kind of the in between the two. They've, they've done that as well. And then mm-hmm. midnight, which is an iPhone uh, 13 color and Apple watch uh, series seven color. They, they've brought that to the MacBook air, which looks very cool design wise. Like you mentioned, it, it is like the MacBook airified version of the MacBook pro. Um, and I, I think I, I know some people like loved it initially for me, it's taking some warming up to it because it's thinner than the thickest point on the MacBook Air M1, the wedge shape, but it's thicker than the thinnest point on the MacBook Air. So Yeah, because that, that air tapered down to like almost nothing. <laughs> yeah. And that's the side that I interact like I see so much because it's the keyboard side, the trackpad side. You know, you're you're not messing around the back of it so much. So like first glance it's like, is it really thinner? Okay, I see where it's thinner from this point on. The point is a little, it's, it's much thicker. And then weight wise, it's like 0.1 pound difference. I think it goes from 0.8 pounds to 0.7 pounds off my head. Um, so very similar there, but it is, I mean, it's a really cool machine and it, you know, it, it's grown on me as in terms, and I think it'll be like great to see too. The, the MacBook pros were necessarily thicker than previous MacBook pros. Mm-hmm. And there very much needed to be a portable version of that new design. And this delivers on that in all the ways, you know, it's way different than the 14 inch and 16 inch MacBook pros in terms of weight and thickness and everything. So, yeah. So they said it's 20% more in volume than the M1. I've got the, um, the sizes up here, right? So MacBook Air M2 height, 0.44 inches, right? Height of MacBook Air M1, 0.16 inches to 0.63. So, Highest point is 0.63, lowest point is 0.16, compared to 0.44 flat for the new one. Width is identical at 11.97. Depth, the MacBook Air is actually smaller in depth slightly. It's 8.36 versus 8.46, i.e. the older one was slightly smaller. That's partly because they made the screen bigger on this one. And then weight-wise, 2.8 pounds down to 2.7 pounds. So it is 20% more in volume, but most of the dimensions and sizes are quite similar. Like, I don't think it's a crazy... It's not crazily much smaller. And the the removal of the wedge will maybe make it seem a bit chunky, at least, maybe to initial ga- uh, initial thoughts. I think it looks cool. I think it's fine, like, especially in Midnight. Like, Midnight really sells it. If they hadn't done the, the Midnight color... It would be very underwhelming, sure. Yeah, yeah it, would be less, it would be less appealing. But yeah. This is the like they can't live. They've had that, that wedge design has lasted them a decade, right? They have to switch up a bit. I mean, there aren't there isn't too many ways they could switch it up. So they've gone to more of a like a iPad MacBook Pro kind of design, and I think it will look good in person. But I they I feel like they kind of oversold it slightly on it being like dramatically smaller because at least looking at the the numbers on the website, it doesn't seem like it's going to feel dramatically smaller in the hand. Yeah, I mean, you, I think the weight will, will feel identical unless you're like a scale. Uh, track, you know, with with the slight screen size bump, the the trackpad is also bigger. Like if we're going even bigger on trackpads, you can always bet on the trackpad getting bigger in a design change of of something a laptop. Um, it's it's nice. The screen difference, you know, to go from four hundred nits to to five hundred nits, you know, it is a twenty five percent change, but um, it's it does it doesn't compare to MacBook Pro and you know HDR yeah. HDR screens. So, um, I, I think that's one of those things that is like you're not going to quite notice the difference there either. The, the thinner bezels are nice. Like it's gone from 13.3 inches to 13.6 inches diagonally. Mm-hmm. Of course, you've got the notch 
edition, which yeah, like screen real estate, you know, that's I think that's just a nice benefit of the of you know what really the big change is is like the the radius change on the corners, you know, going around mm-hmm. it and and everything. Um, and then like resolution wise, it didn't get what the MacBook Pro got, where it's like non scaled resolution, right? It's like it's still like the MacBook Pro used to be. Where you know if you're keen eyed, sharp eyed enough, you can you can notice a little bit of blurriness there. So yeah, they but, made the 2021 MacBook Pro super high res. And yeah, they haven't changed the resolution density of the new Air. Yeah, webcam's a nice change. It goes from 720p to 1080p. You know, no no uh, no center stage, but yeah, it seems like it's the same camera that's in the MacBook Pros that I've got. Yeah, which is a good yeah. good enough camera. Yeah, good enough. I mean, I I wouldn't think it's praises too much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the speaker situation. I, a lot of this stuff is just, it, it's just not a big like hardware change. It just the design of it all is the bigger change. That I, I think in like actual usage is going to feel very much same quality if you're going from M1 to M2 or 2018 MacBook Air to M2 because the M1 is the 2018 MacBook Air design as well. Um, you know, you, you don't get the port you get on the, the MacBook Pro, and I think that's fine. It, it helps makes the lineup different, makes those two things different enough besides just the, the weight and thickness of it. Um, we, we, we talked about, you know, will it be fanless or not? It's still fanless, of course. Battery life hasn't changed, and I, I kind of, like, I, I did worry that battery life could drop a lot on the new designs mm-hmm. if they really wanted to push the designs. You know, I guess part of it is they didn't push this to like super, super thin. And so they do maintain the same battery life numbers as the M1, which are, you know, totally amazing. Um, the the charger situation, like we saw this charger, the dual USB-C charger uh, through a since deleted support document. Like <laughs> we just didn't quite know like how when Apple's going to introduce it or how they're going to market it. But you can get the dual USB-C charger. With I think what one of the upgraded options, the ten core options out of the eight core. Yeah, they have three charger options. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this laptop. Yeah, yeah. You get the boring single USB charger. You get the dual USB C charger, and then you can pay, or I think it's the same for this. You can choose like as, as the upgrade price. You can either choose the dual, or you can choose a sixty-seven watt adapter, which supports fast charging. So you can charge the MacBook to fifty percent in half an hour. The dual charger too, you can buy these separate on the Apple store and both at the same price, but they're different designs. One's called compact and the other isn't. And it's just like how you want it to be shaped. It's kind of, kind of weird. It's like portrait or vertical. It's like like portrait or landscape. Yeah. It's like they just, they just didn't say like which one compact seems better. (laughs) I don't know. Like when, when do you not want that? Um, but that, that's, that's weird and interesting. Um, price wise, Oh, eleven ninety nine for you know for starting price or ten ninety nine for education. That's that's typical. Uh, kept around two hundred dollars. So that's two hundred dollars more than the MacBook Air M one, right? Which they keep around, which helps make that you know go down better. And the M one MacBook Air is like you know it's it's totally good compared to any not Apple Silicon Mac that came before it. So I think it's, I think it's, it doesn't, it doesn't feel bad that they kept that around. Um, you don't get great base specs though for the 119 price, unfortunately, because it's still eight gigs of RAM, 256 gigs of storage. So. Yeah, same as the M1. Mm-hmm. Same as the M1, I know, but the M1 was also 999, so it didn't feel as bad, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you get a better At 1200, you're pushing it a bit, I think, like 
on on those specs. Like, yeah, two hundred bucks, you get a better webcam, you get the really cool design, you get the cool color. Like, yeah. if they hadn't done midnight, it would I'd definitely be more negative. But like the yeah. midnight colors, so I wish they'd done midnight on the Mapper Pros. That looks so good. Yeah, you get, you get and MagSafe. they have the color matched. They have color matched MagSafe. Mm-hmm. This is MagSafe now. We should have mentioned that. Yeah. Yes. They, they, like depending which color you get, you get a color match, color match MagSafe which, which charger. They, they didn't do for the Mac, which they Pro. didn't do on the Mavic Pros either. They only had two colors on the Mavic Pro, but you, you get a silver MagSafe charger, even if you get the space gray. Yeah, laptop, but they're like sold se- but they're sold separately for fifty bucks, so you can buy it. Ridiculous! Now. And then you here care. comes the MacBook Air with four colors, including a yeah, really cool color. Hey, listen, uh, they took care of it, <laughs> and they didn't do the black keyboard well thing, right? Like, so if you have the silver one or the space gray one or the silent one, that like the gaps between the keyboard are the metal color. It's not like the Mapper Pro where they made the whole thing black. Yeah, that's yeah, and you know that's a pro feature, obviously. <laughs> it's a pro feature. Yeah, but luckily if you get the midnight one, it's all black anyway. Like it is slightly off blue, but it looks really nice. Like that yeah. midnight color is really cool. Yeah, you can't order it yet. Yeah, comes in comes out in sometime in July. That's in the July. that's that's the M2 you know route because they also released an updated version of the M1 Mapper Pro 13 inch, which is what's the price on Hilarious. that? What's the price starting price? Twelve ninety nine. Twelve ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. So hundred bucks more than this. The, well, same price as this. No, this is twelve hundred. This is twelve hundred. Thirty inch Mavic Pro is twelve ninety nine. So it's twelve hundred thirteen hundred. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, okay. I see. I, I see now. Yeah. And it's getting a lot of grief in the press and on Twitter because people are mad that it exists, and the comparison to the MacBook Air is. It, I, I think the comparison to the MacBook Air is as similar as it was last year or you know 2020 with the M1 MacBook Air and MacBook Pro. The only difference, unless you consider the design and the color, which is not functionally different, is the camera is better on the cheaper MacBook Air. It's 1080p, whereas the old one stuck around. It keeps um, 720p on the new on the on the new MacBook Pro, um, 13 inch. Still did the touch bar. They didn't take that off. You know, but there are like if you go down on the spec sheet, there are things that are different about the MacBook Pro besides the fact that it has a fan and, and can sustain performance for longer. Like the speaker system is better; it has more speakers and and better quality. Has more microphones. It has what they call studio quality microphones, but that's also kind of a thing where, yeah, it's it's nice when that's the base, but like, yeah, it doesn't make a huge difference. So um, I'd buy the yeah, like. I, me personally, I don't really see a reason why you wouldn't get the Air over the 13-inch. How many ports do you get on the... It's they the same. It's two on both. MacBook Pro? Yeah, but you get MagSafe on the Air, so technically you've got yeah, access so, yeah, to you two get all the third port, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not, like, too grumpy about that MacBook Pro existing. And, and it's such a big price jump to go up to a 14-inch MacBook Pro. You know, to, to go from 1300 to 2000 like, it's... That's almost... <laughs> That's almost fifty percent more. You know, it's it's a pretty big jump. The, so. the, the thirteen inch will evolve in time, right? Like I'm sure they'll either make it more distinct or they'll get rid of it. This is just we're selling the same machine yesterday, but now we've made it slightly faster. How about yeah, it? You know, you got, you got the M2 now. It's a better video editor. The it's not a bad laptop in the way that for so long Apple has had bad laptops. You have to say avoid. And I think like we're getting stuck in the pattern of being like, well, compared to the MacBook Air, avoid this one, but. It's not like the level of like when you would say that's got the bad keyboard or yeah. that or that doesn't have a retina screen. You know, the, the, like the MacBook Air itself had a long time of where it was just very dated and it was like, eh, I don't know. Like but, this laptop almost exists as like a marketing tool to make people buy 
something because like people walk into the apple store and they have this illusory like pride where it's like i'm a pro right <laughs> and, like they're, they're only going to like university or whatever right yeah, so they yeah. don't actually need the actual pro computers they just like the like the brand name carries a lot of weight i think so they just need another laptop there that's cheaper that they can be like I'm going to buy the pro version and I feel great for it. Like that's a hundred percent a factor. It also makes the MacBook Airs look better because you're like, I don't want to spend 1299. I can get this one for 1200. Like, and and I'm sure they've got inventory of touch bars sitting around. They need to sell through and stuff like that. Like it, obviously if you're, if you were make, if you were designing a product lineup for purely like product customer facing reasons, you probably wouldn't include the 13 inch MacBook pro. But that's not the reality of the world. And in the reality of the world, right now, it makes sense why they've got it. And I'm sure they'll do more stuff with it in future generations or they'll get rid of it. But I'm not, like, freaking out about it. You could buy that laptop. You could be, you'd could you be happy with it, right? Like, I don't think... You, I think the, the Air is a better option. But you could buy the thing MacBook Pro if you were completely clueless about the entire Apple product lineup. You'd be happy. You'd be, you'd be perfectly fine. So, yeah, I'm not, like enraged by it it does seem a bit silly like a like a run of the litter almost but i'm not freaking out about it i am a bit upset that the macbook s price did go up 200 dollars. that's quite a big jump like the 999 macbook Air, it's still on still a good device still sold but they didn't put the price down on that one and this one's 200 dollars more mm, if it could have been 100 dollars more it'd be more palatable i think but you can't have everything, you know. The mm-hmm. biggest the biggest disappointment on these laptops is really in the chip, the revelation that it still doesn't support two displays. Yeah, that, I've mentioned on the show last week, like, you know, don't care anything else about the chip. You know, if you want to call it M1 Plus, whatever, it's an M2 to me if they support two displays, like the Intel version that they replaced, you know, and they and they, they didn't do that. Uh, even on the Pro, like, you know, it was, it's strange. Yeah, that, well, that's really a big black mark. Why are they doing that? Don't know. I'd like that's like, that's if you get an interview with like you know they have the chip execs do interviews. They should ask yeah. them that because yeah, what are you like, saving? The, the, you have to remember the the Intel laptops with the Intel chips are trash in loads of ways, but they could drive more than one display at once. You know, like yeah, and people want to do that more increasingly more and more. People want two display outputs. Yeah, and we really expected that by M two they'll have this. Like we talked about it as like, yeah, the M1 chip. I mean, the iPad only supports one external display. Um, not, it's just kind of to be expected. And obviously the, the higher end M1 or M1 chips will do it. And they did, but we thought, you know, by M2, they'll have this, this they'll, they'll add the additional function that they need to, to make this possible. And they did. Uh, yeah. I'd, I would have assumed that they were going to add the second display output over the pro video decoders, you know, like sure. Sure. Yeah. Priorities, but no. Yeah. Are you going to buy this MacBook Air? Well, so after the keynote, I asked you a question. Do I have permission to buy a Mac Studio now? And you gave me permission. I said, remember, we stood with the show. I said, just wait till WOC in case they announce like an M2 Mac Mini or something because you wanted a desktop computer, right? Or maybe the, Mac, the, the M2 MacBook Air is like incredible. Just wait and see. Let it go by. Don't buy it a month before. Just wait, let it go and yeah, see. Yeah. It came and went. And I hundred percent support you right now. You should get the next studio. Yeah, and you've ordered it, right? And I did, and I did the smart thing, which about open box. It was like one hundred and sixty bucks off, so that was that was good. Uh, I also had faster shipping that way. That was definitely in, in part of the 
the thing. Um, but yeah, I, I ordered that. It should come. I think like I just saw the FedEx truck go by, so they they passed me, but they're they're on the way back right now. So great timing. Um, and for the MacBook Air, which is the question at hand, I'm selling my MacBook Air that I have now and just using this Pro for a bit. So that that's good. Um, but yeah, I think at some point, like this is this is a machine I could get. You know, next week we'll talk about some of the the latest rumors, but. Um, this one does appeal to me too. Not at, not at the full price, you know, at some kind of a discount, but it, it, you know, hardware wise, I think it's very yeah, cool. If they hadn't put the price up, this would be really appealing. Like if, if this was the new 999 option, but yeah, the, dis- the display though, the display though is nice. It's, it's a really cool, you know, design. Uh, you know, now that and we that all, color, that midnight color is so good. I wish they would have sold that on the MacBook Pro. That's such a cool color. Yeah. Finally this week, Happy Hour is sponsored by Pillow. More and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine. Pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app to help you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality. Pillow tracks and analyzes your sleep automatically and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning. If you have an Apple Watch, tracking your sleep is as easy as wearing it to bed. If you don't have a watch, you can do it through the iPhone or iPad. Just tap a button in the app to start your sleep session. You can even record the sounds of the night like sleep talking, apnea or other noises that might be affecting how you sleep use the pillow app to track trends get personalized insights and compare your sleep metrics with your weight steps caffeine consumption and more statistics use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time aiming to wake you up when you're in a stage of lightest sleep importantly pillow is privacy minded all of your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device and in iCloud using end-to-end encryption Pillow is free to download from the App Store with a set of features that you can use for free every day. So try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day trial. Just visit pillow.app to get started. That's pillow.app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. Next up, Mayo, and I'll just say my Mac, my Mac Studio just arrived. So I have, I, have, I have it. The FedEx strike worked. We could have, uh, if we'd have waited two minutes, that last segment would have been a lot smoother. Because <laughs> you could have said, I've got it right here. There's anyway. a suspenseful element there. Um, as someone who lives in, in the UK, in, in, on the continent of Europe, uh, are you familiar with Ventura? Or you, even as, as a non-American, And does anything in pop culture stand out to you when you hear Ventura? Or Ventura, even? Uh, no. Okay, okay. The only thing I can think of is Port Aventura, which is a different place. Okay. I don't really even know what it is. I think it might be in Spain somewhere, but... Uh, that's right. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm not the most geographically cultured person in the world. I don't know if you've realized that. So That's, uh, that's, that's okay. But yeah, I, I I think Ventura is a cool name for an operating system, but I couldn't tell you what it's referencing or anything. It's way easier to remember than, what are we on now, Monterey? Monterey, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's easiest to remember in years. Uh, I don't know. I think I think there's like a few different pop culture references, but for me, it's Ace Ventura, which is like um, a Jim Carrey comedy from the late 90s, 2000s. Uh, is the Ace Ventura is the Ventura and Ace Ventura talking about the same place though? I don't know. It could be a last yeah. name. It's, I, I was single digits old when I watched it last, <laughs> so um, and I don't think it holds up. But anyway, macOS Ventura they, they presumably say Ventura, not to say Ventura. Um, fine. Um, yeah, I don't live in California, but from like what people are saying is like it's not the most glamorous place. But they did say in the keynote, like you know the the, the flowers of Ventura, the beach and the flowers, and they've got this flower background for the default wallpaper. Um, but but name names aside, they they jump into this feature called Stage Manager, and they've done this over the years where they say like 
it's very hard to manage windows on Mac OS. We get so busy. We have so many tasks going that, you know, here's um, expose, here's uh, multiple desktops and spaces, and here's mission control. Well, they haven't replaced any of that. Well, expose was replaced by mission control, but they've added stage manager, which you, got can, another layer. <laughs> which you can use with mission control. And it's very weird because you turn it on through control center on the Mac where everything else is a gesture or an app icon or a button on the keyboard. And I can see them adding the stage manager button as a future like icon on, on the, the keyboard. But for now it's only in control center, which feels weird, like switching modes. They might add a gesture for it in a future beta, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But, but that's, that's stage manager. You know, what, what does it do though? What's the goal here? I mean, you're the one using the beta. Like, <laughs> well, how, how, do they, is, how do they put it? <laughs> they, they. I mean, they didn't really put it as anything. It's like here's this thing. You get this weird three dimensional sidebar of windows. So if you've got like four open apps, you enter Stage Manager. The open windows get shuttled off to this little left hand panel, and then only one group is open at a time so only one set of windows from a single application is open at a time you click on a different application all the windows from that app disappear and the other apps come to the front you can add apps into a stage manager group so then you can have like pages and safari in one group so then as you click on that little group on the left they come forward to the front and then you click on like let's say twitter everything else disappears and it brings twitter forward it's kind of weird like i I haven't updated my Mac to the beta, so it's really hard to give like impressions. But just watching the video, I was like, "What, what do I need this for exactly?" Like, I, they just said like, "Mission Control with lots of windows. It can feel like you never really escape with a clutter." But this quote unquote solution just adds more clutter and doesn't make it any clearer. <laughs> I, uh, and I never found Mission Control to be that cluttered. Like, yeah, expose with a lot of windows open. There's a lot of stuff on screen when you open the, the, the mission control thing, but they're nicely grouped by app and stuff. You can scroll around, you can click on them. I, I, at least right now, as of June 9th, I'm not like begging to be a stage manager user. Yeah. Well, so for, I have tried it on the beta of macOS Ventura, and there's like a learning curve to it initially because you've, you know, you've seen the keynote, how it works, and then you've got to get your hands on it and actually, you know, create new muscle memory of how this thing works. And it's just nothing like Mac OS as we've known it before. And you, you kind of find, okay, this, this happens if I do that, this, you know, if I, if I change apps, I need to group them together before they're, they're in the same view and have a lot of different views. I can click to see the desktop, but, but at default it's not there, but when you click it, then you can access files and drag them into a stage manager app. Um, and then because it's a toggle, it feels like at some point you should leave that mode and go back to just regular mode. Like, I guess you can turn it on and just leave it on. But I, th- I think it would be frustrating though. I think it, I think it really is on the Mac intended to be a way of focusing your task, but still have apps in the, like open in the background, but you don't, yeah. or is this a shortcut? So like, maybe it's a better way of putting it. Is this like stacks, which you don't use. And I do use on the desktop as to organize your files by, by type. And then you can expand them and then you can close them and this neatly organized again, even though you have a lot going on on your desktop. Um, this is like that, but for window management and how you work, I, I found one benefit to it that applied to how I work, which is that 
I, you know, I use my Mac for work. For work, I've got a Twitter column open and an RSS column open. And then the rest of the space is either like a little bit of desk, desktop exposed so I can quickly access the desktop. Um, but besides that, it's a big stack of windows that I just change through with command tab or from the dock or from mission control or from notification. And they're all stacked on like the remaining space. And that's, that's works great for me. <laughs> Not the, it's wonderful. And the one thing I found that I could do with this though, is I never have my photos app larger than like so large that it would cover up Twitter uh, you know, so it isn't taking advantage of like the full screen real estate. I can go into full screen and then that gives me the much bigger version and I don't see Twitter anymore and then go back to the desktop. That's okay. But that's, it's not enough of a benefit where like, I'm like, okay, I got to use this because the first time I was like, Oh, I need to manage, pull an app into this view that I'm in. It's like, Oh, this is, I'm, I'm playing with, with tools and not using them anymore. So I think I will go the rest of my Mac life without using this. But Unless they there. change how it works, which they might do. Why? Well, I don't know why like, they. I don't know why they would change how it works. Like, I don't know what it's fixing. You know, except for like, it's a new way to focus. Because my problem is that, like, when you're using a Mac, the set of like semantic activities that I'm doing are changing constantly. It's like I'm doing this, then I want this next to this, then I want this to this, then I want a glimpse at Twitter, but I, I'm only glimpsing at it while my you know app builds or something like the stage manager thing forces you to like set up groups that are basically like fixed for your entire session. Like, yeah, of course you can drag between the sessions to rearrange them, but then that's more work than just clicking on the windows in the dock or whatever, or using mission control. So I'm definitely a a stage manager skeptic. And I don't even think for like less prolific users of a Mac, it is more intuitive than overlapping windows, right? Like it sounds like it's not a power user feature. For us, and then you wouldn't teach someone brand new to the Mac like this is something that you should learn and do because you can do everything without Stage Manager. It's optional. It's a mode switch that you have. So who's it for? You know, and and I think the answer is probably you know comes in the iPad section and it's like for cross platform you know familiarity. Although it's better on the Mac, <laughs> but it's not needed on the Mac. So I, it's you know it's for the iPad. And it's more limited on the iPad because the iPad is the iPad, but it's on the Mac and, you know, okay, it's on the Mac. <laughs> it's on the Mac and it's a bit whack. Maybe iPad fans will love it and they'll they'll have wanted it on the Mac and, hey, it's there. It's already there from day one. Cool. I'll, when I do update to Ventura, I'll give it a try, but I'm not, like, chomping at the bit to feel like I'm going to use it. Yeah, and try it in your spare time. Don't try it when you're busy because it's just going to get in the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's some updates to Spotlight. A lot of the Mac section, as usual, was like, we've saved a few features that we could have talked about earlier for a different OS, but because they're on the Mac too, we're saving for this section. So uh, obviously, Stage Manager's come to iPad as well. Spotlight, uh, they've updated the search experience, so it's unified now across iOS. So hopefully, the same things that you type on the Mac or on Spotlight on the iPhone, Spotlight on the iPad, they should all give you the same results now, regardless of what device you're on. You can do the same things. You can even do stuff like create timer on the mac by typing create timer because now there's a clock app on the mac so you can even do that um they've oh this is something that we didn't talk about in the iOS section but they've actually put by default now there's a search button on the very bottom of the iphone home screen just above the dock area so like if you don't touch the iphone home screen there's a search button if you if you slide around 
it replaces the search button with the page indicator dots of what page you're on. Um, which I guess is like making search front and center for a lot of people that don't know how to get to it. Yeah, they, 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 they the, frame the, it my as, muscle memory is to swipe down, right? That's yeah. what I do. So, and that still works. Yeah, and they frame it as they frame it as more discoverable. Which you know, if you yeah. don't know about the gesture, then now you have a button that's just begging. Which is probably begging. fair because a lot of people, I don't think, I don't think spotlight search is an ingrained habit for normal people. So yeah, and the fact that you go to app library and you have search there, but it's only for apps. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of stupid. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting that they even like and the page dots are like you can take them or leave them so you might as well put a button there instead I guess and, and if you really hate it like I, some people have said it's a bit distracting to the eye there is actually a preference in settings to just make that not happen so you can turn it off if you don't want it uh, in mail they've added undo send which basically means when you send an email it doesn't actually send it for a few seconds so you can change your mind and not send it uh, scheduled send so you can send it at a different time of the day compared to when you send it off maybe like 9am next morning 9pm at night uh, if you have got a reply from somebody but you haven't responded to them for a few days it will like give you a suggestion to follow up in case you forgot and it's got like snoozing features so if you get something comes into your inbox but you don't do with it right now you can like remind me later so it disappears and comes back basically the cutting edge email features from five years ago have finally made their way to the mail app i don't really care about any of them i've used mail since <laughs> for eternity and i've never really felt like i need snoozing or anything like that but some people definitely do so it's nice that they've added it the thing that i'm most interested in is they said they've overhauled search algorithms so you get more accurate results and more comprehensive results because mail search whether you're talking about on the mac or on ios is a bit pathetic so hopefully this is a lot better yeah, the, the uh, unsend message, like we talked about how you can delete an iMessage or edit it within 15 minute window. Unsend is 10 seconds, which feels very constrained. I mean, obviously, it's because they're not sending it for 10 seconds and that's your window to to unsend it. Um, but that's a very short time. And I feel like it, it, they, they'll add customization of that in the future, you know, 30 seconds, one minute, two minutes. Like that's, you know, I think 15 is too long. Like you, you, you know. In some instances, you wouldn't want a message to take 15 minutes to actually go deliver, um, especially if you're like online and then close your laptop and you get off internet or something. But um, the 10 seconds feels very constrained for this feature and um, maybe even confusing for like, oh, I thought I could unsend an email. Um, In the closing yeah. laptop use case, I was thinking about like with scheduled send. So their pitch is like you can send, you can delay send replying so you can send it at a more amenable time to the recipient right so like you can send it later at night rather than interruption in the middle of the day but if i like schedule a send from mail to send at 9 p.m but at 9 p.m my laptop's shut in my bag because i've gone inside not working anymore is the email actually going to deliver <laughs> or is it not because like, some of these other like gmail app like you know these alt gmail apps that do stuff they're like cloud-based so if you do do a scheduled send you don't actually have to have your local device running. It can just, the server just sends it off at the time you specify. But mail isn't doing that, right? It's just all local. So you could say send it off at nine, but if your laptop's closed, uh, oh, well, you're not sending the email, which feels kind of rough. Safari, they haven't done anything drastic. I was wrong. They also haven't removed the compact address bar option. That's still there. Uh, not the D for anything, but it's still there. What they've done this year for Safari is something called shared tab groups. So they obviously added tab groups last year where you can like split up your tabs into little like sets of tabs. Now they've got a collaborative version where you can share a group of tabs with your friends and then they can everybody can be looking at the same 
set of tabs together and like safari puts a little badge over which tabs are being viewed with, like with your avatars and stuff so you can see where people are looking you can follow them around they can add tabs in and it shows up on your device too again i don't know if i'd be using this very often but clever yeah i haven't fallen in love with tab groups so share tab groups they will be the same um one, one thing i want to mention about mail too is it's not a part of apple mail but they did you know with, with the we talked about an ios 16 you know you, you can there's a focus API. So an app like Gmail could tie into the, your focus mode. And, you know, in that case, like you've, you've got where you can say, uh, and this mode only allow these contacts to come through. And I think that's like, that will help focus adoption as well. <laughs> but like, um, that, I think that'll be probably more useful than some of these new mail features besides like fixing search. Like that'll be more used though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, they're launching the, passwordless future stuff so support for iCloud keychain across all across all the operating systems for pass keys that's cool obviously it requires coordination from the apps and the websites but if you do support pass keys you can log in without a password which is nice um then this is really funny federighi comes back it's like and now we're going to talk about gaming apple's never been great with games and i don't think this segment did them any favors uh, it was a very weird pitch that gaming on the mac can be like good now because of apple silicon but they talked a bit about metal 3 and they had two demos uh of no man's sky which is many years old pc game and resident evil village which is at least a year old pc game running on uh an m2 machine both of these demos looked pretty terrible the the frame rates were bad i didn't think the visual fidelity was pretty good like it looked like a like a old ps4 game something running at like 30 frames per second and maybe even less in some cases so i have no clue what they were like thinking here i didn't think it was impressive i didn't think they're like story for oh now we're doing gaming in a real serious way because of apple silicon like i didn't think any of it came together they were talking about games and it's like you do have a console right you have like an apple tv to box but that didn't get a single mention but no we're gonna do gaming on the mac like it was such a weird segment and it really didn't land very well with me at all when really it was just an iteration of what already exists yeah and it wasn't impressive and it wasn't even like and we're gonna you know bundle this into apple arcade so everybody can enjoy it at no extra charge you know what i mean like it was just no these games are coming out at some point this year and this demo that you showed of it didn't look particularly impressive so it's like it was really weird. Uh, here's a neat little feature. You can now hand off FaceTime calls. So you've always been a hand off like audio calls, but now you can do a FaceTime call. So if you're on your iPhone, on a video call, you can just walk up to your laptop, switch over, and then the FaceTime call will continue on the Mac using mm-hmm. its camera instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I saw this, I was thinking, hmm, maybe this is tying into that future Apple TV FaceTime box thingy because I can imagine you getting a call on your phone and then you being like, I want to push this FaceTime call over to the TV and then it can just like seamlessly transfer it. That feels like a very common use case. So obviously they haven't actually made that device yet, but that felt like something where that was heading. Yeah, I, and I've used this so far and it, and it works well. I mean, the Mac, yeah, Mac OS Ventura is very buggy right now, so it's it's you know iffy there. But um, going from the Mac to the iPhone, what happens is on the Mac, if you're on the iPhone or the iPad, you get like an active call in menu bar, you know, where you, you've got the little icon and it's, it's, it's um, like clickable, you click that and then you can switch it over on the iPhone or iPad. It's like a banner alert that's silent, but you go to your lock screen and you can tap it and it's really smooth transition. So it's a good feature. Yeah, that's cool. And then also in the camera space, 
they have a new solution for your Apple Studio Displayer webcam called Continuity Camera. And essentially, it's like all those third-party apps that let you use your iPhone as a webcam, except now it's integrated into the operating system and done by Apple. So you don't have to worry about installing software or configuration. Without assuming there's no bugs, you just bring your iPhone close to your laptop. It detects that it's there and it appears as a virtual webcam that you can use in video conferencing apps to have a high-quality front-facing camera, which is neat. They showed in the demo using this like weird prototype clip thingy uh MagSafe, yeah yeah which has like a magsafe attachment but they're not selling that they're not producing that they're gonna collaborate with belkin for some stands that will be available later in the year of course it looked kind of silly because you have this like hump of an iphone sticking off the back of a little mavic air or whatever but people want to do this and even in like the good timeline where apple put like the best quality cameras they could fit in those laptop lids the quality would still not match what you get out of an iphone camera so even if Apple was delivering on the webcam situation, this feature still has promise and user and utility, so I have no problem with them doing it. Um, interestingly, center stage works because it actually uses the ultra-wide camera. And the really cool part, which is probably the reason they wanted to demo this, is they have this thing called Desk View where it takes the ultra-wide camera feed and it splits it up into two streams. So it has the one that's facing forward, i.e. the normal webcam, and it takes like the extreme angles of the ultra wide camera to get a shot of your desk, which obviously would be like weirdly skewed and aspect ratio would be off. But they use, you know, computer cleverness and AI to stretch it out and flatten it. So supposedly you'll basically get like a top down appearance of a top down camera in addition to the camera that's looking forward. If that works well, that would be really useful. Mm-hmm. We'll have to wait and see. I think you said it's not working at the moment, Zach, or something, right? Yeah. The, the feature like it does the feature where or the yeah like the camera feature works on, with the iPhone and and Mac um, the desk view I haven't gotten it to work it's it, you know it's very clear that it works in the in the in the keynote and, and like the demonstration of how it should work so um, I'm wondering if it's you know just going to be better in the future <laughs> or you know and, and I don't have a mount I have to tell you I have not been sent a, a pre release mount for the iPhone and so I'm just holding it up there which could also be a factor. Um, but it does work and it was really confusing me for the first couple of days. I didn't know it was this feature causing the issue, but on FaceTime, my camera would just be black and I would turn it off and back on and it wouldn't fix it. And it wasn't that I, it, there wasn't a camera actor. And I realized on like day three that it was switching to the iPhone automatically, which was in my pocket. And that's kind of as intended when you first set up the, the iPhone as a webcam, it works automatically when your phone's near. And it twitches when your phone's away. There's a button that I had to discover on FaceTime for turning off automatically. And then you just switch it out like you do any other webcam or microphone on, on the Mac. Um, but <laughs> it does work. And the automatic feature does work very well if the iPhone's in your pocket. Like even you just maybe. They might want to shorten the range on that slightly. <laughs> yeah. Or turn off automatic by default. Like, but yeah. yeah, you're right. The range is like people, I think people would want to use this as if it isn't mounted just as a remote camera to show you something while you're, you know, display webcam or iMac webcam or something. You know, you can't move those as easily. So you could use this, but it, but that depends on range as well. So I think just automatic should be off by default. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. And one of the weird quirk with this thing is that the continuity camera, i.e., the main webcam, that appears as like a virtual camera to the Mac, so you can just use it in any app. But the desk view mode is not a virtual camera. It's like 
a separate application that you have to launch and then like see a viewfinder of the desk mode so yeah with, with the, settings like yeah yeah with weird settings and stuff so in the keynote demonstration they have to like start a screen sharing session and then the screen sharing session is showing the desk view app it's like a weird that's kind of weird i think there might be an api for that so if like zoom wanted to like explicitly just integrate desk view natively they can do that but i don't know why it can't just show up as a virtual camera like the main continuity camera can I'd say a pretty small year for the Mac in general. My big hope going in was they were going to sort out the notification stuff, like responding to a message wouldn't be like screwed up. Uh, But no, no changes there. There is some stuff with like system preferences getting redesigned, renamed to system settings and a load of small stuff that I'm sure we will talk about over the summer. But let's move on for now to iPad OS 16. A tale of two halves, I would say. So for (laughs) everybody, you get the weather app on the iPad. Zach, right. this, is, this is your stage, right? This is your calling. The weather app is now available on all right. iPad. Yeah. All right. yeah, yeah, they yeah. Really went, they really took all that time and thought about a completely different design for the application. They were mm-hmm. like, what can we do in a whole new way since we spent 10 years? You know what we can do? We can take the iPhone application and you know those little panels? What we can do is we can put them side by side. Incredible, incredible stuff. No one could have thought about it. But. You can tap them now and get more information, but that's on the iPhone as well. No. That's on the iPhone too, yeah. But yeah. They did it. That's cool. They did and, it, yep. Oh, and weather's on the Mac, right? Yeah, weather's on the Mac. Yeah, weather's yep. on the Mac. Good um, app on the Mac. With the same design, of course. You can, be in app, you can be in Maps and open up the weather from the town and it opens up in the weather app. Or that the, or, incredible or the stuff, widget right? on the Mac, it opens the weather app. <laughs> that is the 21st century innovation right there. Um, they then had this segment on collaboration what this essentially boils down to is a shortcut button in the share sheet that defaults to collaborate mode so there's no like additional like os functionality or anything or any like new protocols for making collaboration work better but previously let's say you had a pages document you wanted to share it with two people you go into pages you have to click the collaborate button you have to like make a link then you have to send that link over iMessage then the other person would click on the link it would open up the shared document right now you can do share sheet, and when the default option for when you share the message is collaborate. So when you send it, you don't have to mess around with any intermediary like link creation stuff. You just send it. The person sees the conversation. They click on the document. It opens in the shared context. There's a little like drop down button you can press to switch to just sending a copy versus the collaborate. But at least in beta one, collaborate is the default. That may be good for like Apple's user metrics, but in terms of real world practicality, I think most people want to send a copy by default. So kind of hope they switch that around <laughs> um this was interesting they in they gave a sneak peek at a new app called freeform which is essentially like an infinite digital whiteboard and you can draw on it you can do sticky notes and it's collaborative so you can invite other people and they can draw and type and annotate and you basically have this like ever expanding mind map of thoughts your thoughts <laughs> <laughs> they built in a feature on the ipad that has already been tackled by third-party apps. Now it's included. Won't so be- why do they do it? Like, I, I think it's kind of cool, but I don't know why they're just like, now's the time for us to do this. They did it because it should have always been there. Like, it's one of those things that this should be a feature of the iPad, and and you know, is it iPad only? Like, I, I guess it is. No, um, I think you, I think it's available on the Mac as well. Okay, okay. maybe the iPhone too. Yeah, 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 but. It's a, like if it works well it's kind of cool it's good mm-hmm. for collaboration and mm-hmm. shared workspaces and stuff maybe maybe 
they want to do an AR version of this. Like, that's mm. what I thought when I saw this. I was like, look, infinite whiteboards, they've been done before, as you say. There's loads of third-party apps to do that stuff. But obviously, Apple's going to come on a headset at some point. What if they had like a free form in AR so you can just put sticky notes all around you? This can is Tim Cook doing his meetings, yeah. Yeah, Tim Cook can do his meetings in AR, exactly, using free form. So yeah. if you want a random suggest prediction, that's where I think this is headed. Obviously, that isn't ready right now. The app isn't even coming out until like this year in the two-dimensional form. Uh, again, they had another gaming segment. Hey! Uh, <laughs> again, kind of weird demos and stuff. They mentioned Game Center, but Game Center doesn't really change. It's still not like got an actual application or any good way to like find it. You have to like dig into settings of individual apps. They're adding an activity feed. Great, but no one's ever going to see it because no one ever goes there. So I don't know. Like I feel like they need to take Arcade and Game Center and make like a dedicated Arcade app that could include all your Game Center achie- achievements and friends and leaderboards mm-hmm. and all your and basically be a repository for games in mm-hmm. your on your system. It can be. Just arcade games, or it's including just other games you get from the app store, and that would give it like proper UI presence, so it actually get used. used. <laughs> Do you remember you know what I mean? Like yeah. as it is now, it's such in a weird like quasi a quasi dead state, but they they kind of keep talking about it, but never actually doing it so people use it. So I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, years years ago at one point in the keynote, they said Game Center has more users than Microsoft Live or Xbox Live. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it, it definitely doesn't anymore. Yeah. Next up was a slide that I think was probably like the most trolliest one ever. This was the slide content. Desktop class apps, right? Mm. And I was thinking, wow, here we go. We're going to get Final Cut for iPad, maybe Logic for iPad, maybe a podcast production app for iPad, desktop class, desktop class apps. They're coming. That's not what they meant at all. What they really meant was we looked at all of our stock apps and thought, what are these random little features that are on the Mac version of these apps that aren't on the iPad version of these apps? Not desktop class apps in the idea that I would think of of like professional apps. Just here's the calendar app. It does these things on the Mac that you can't do on the iPad app. Let's make the calendar app on the iPad app do that. And they've mm-hmm. done that across the system, supposedly. And there are a few nice little things that you can do there, but nothing that I was like, wow, this is what I've been waiting for my entire life. When 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 they teased desktop class apps in that slide, I was expecting a big show with a big app, but that Final happen. Cut Pro X. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is something that would have been applauded many many years ago, and they're they're just getting around to it. And of course, it's a good thing; it'll make the experience better. But it's hard to applaud like some of the some of the basic things <laughs> when it's very yeah, it, late. It was just like list view in calendar. It's like okay, have fun. Uh. They do have customizable toolbars now on the iPad, so that's pretty cool because I that's one of the like the 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 kind of little known Mac features where in most Mac apps, if you see a toolbar of buttons, there's like an in the edit menu you can edit the toolbar, you can rearrange buttons, you can add new buttons in, you can customize it. Like that feels like a professional PC feature, and that's coming to the iPad this year as a standard controlling UI kit, which is nice. Um, they got a few different treatments for like document menus and stuff now. So in the navigation bars, they can maybe be a bit more. Um, like intuition built up about every single document app uses this kind of style of navigation bar so you know where the file name is you know where to duplicate it like a, a, a kind of mini menu bar but in encapsulate into one button good if apps adopt it uh, they also have a reference color mode for graphics professionals so this is this is the ipad's key market you know drawing apps and photo apps uh 
now there's a reference color mode which will change the way that the screen's rendering content so that it can match like a like a reference mode on a ProDisplay XDR can. So that's good for that particular niche. But that was obviously you get all the iOS 16 features too, apart from in classic fashion, all the lock screen changes. Sure. Do not come to the iPad. That's next year. That's going to be next year. I, I can't think believe I, they they did that. That's I think at this good. point in the keynote, I was like, well, at least the M1 makes sense now as a joke. Like, as a joke? <laughs> yeah. It was like, nothing here has been like, oh, now I see why there's a Mac class chip in the iPad. And then and then you're like, wait, there's something coming based on the, on the Twitter, or, you know. Yeah, I was four minutes ahead. ahead. Yeah. So I will say, what, what we're about to talk about is the M1 exclusive stuff, right? As an update for iPad OS, if you have an iPad that isn't M1, kind of meh, <laughs> I'll be honest. Like, Nothing crazy at all or useful, really, in the scheme of things. And you don't get to enjoy the fun lock screen customization stuff either. So if you do have an M1 chip, however, you get uh, a display scaling option. So if you want more space, you can do that and sacrifice Retina 2X scaling to have non-integer scaling to get a bit more screen real estate. Uh, They are adding virtual memory swap like a computer does. So in previous versions of iOS, you have your RAM. You have, let's say, 8 gigs of RAM. Applications can use that 8 gigs of RAM. If memory pressure becomes tight and you need 9 gigs of RAM, they just kill off apps that don't fit to make you have an active pool of 8 gigs of RAM. If you look at what happens on a Windows computer or a Mac, if you have 8 gigs of RAM, but you have 10 gigabytes worth of active applications open, the OS will copy 2 gigabytes of that memory to disk. And then when you open the app and need that memory back, it copies it back out again. So obviously, it's most performant if you can fit everything in RAM. But in a, in a PC environment, the amount of apps you can have open simultaneously is not limited by how much RAM you've got. It's limited by how much hard drive space you've got. And obviously, now with SSDs being so fast, you can do memory swap with SSDs quite transparently. So they're bringing that capability to the iPad, which is enabling Stage Manager! The stage manager, you know, like we mentioned before, this is a feature that does extend the functionality of the iPad and in a pretty big way, you know, it is an impl- implementation of how to do windowing on the iPad, you know, which is what we wanted to do on the iPad to get more use out of it. And it's unique from the Mac, even though it's on the Mac, you know, like you can use the Mac and do everything you want to do and ignore stage manager and you'll be fine on the iPad. If you want to go beyond split screen and slide over, this is what you need to do to, to have like an environment where you can have multiple apps on the screen, switch between them in different groups and sets and everything. Uh, I, it, and just like on the Mac, it's in control center. It's a mode that you go into and then you leave the mode. Um, that's, you know, I, I guess it makes more sense on the iPad than on the Mac, but that's why they did it on the Mac. Um, you, you get, like you, you can windows can overlap, but it will change on its own based on like the layout. So it isn't like on the Mac where you, you know, the window is where you left it. And I think some people will prefer this because you, you don't need to manage your windows, like the arrangement all the time. But it, it, like, it always <laughs> makes space that the windows could be like touched essentially and not completely overlapping each other. I guess yeah. is the idea that makes me think of the FaceTime feature when you're on group FaceTime and the. And the <laughs> Faces resize based on who's speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, I turn off, um, so I, I don't know about that. It, it does offer like, and you get four apps at a time. So like on screen, and you can have more on your you know shortcuts thing on the side, but it's up to four. 
if you use an external monitor, you can put the monitor into stage manager as well. And then you can do up to eight apps on screen at a time. So it's four per screen. And you Uh, can even have it so like the iPad is in split screen like normal and then the external display is in stage manager. Yeah. You can have some weird configurations. Right. Yeah. You can do some weird stuff with it. So like this is Apple's answer to how do we do windowing on iPad screen size 11 inch and up because <laughs> it is m1 and like you know you mentioned the memory swapping things i think it's also a way of just saying like you can't do this on the mini you know but uh in, in the in the ipad mini you, if you recall they they distinctly didn't put the m1 they did the the chip from the iphone 13 right so mm-hmm. yeah <sighs> I, I i don't know like I, I, i'm not compelled to try to go the ipad route for like the majority of my work again as i did last year and i was you know, I got a long way for like a few months of doing that, you know, struggling. Um, if you already can use the iPad, then this is just like a new layer of, of functionality for you. It's good. But um, it, it is an example of of like trying to do the Mac like functionality now that you have the hardware for it, but without repeating the same like design paradigm. And I don't know. If, We're going to have to wait and see how successful it is, I think. Like, yeah. I, I, was, I was thinking about this, too, in terms of, like, you know, you, you might not be compelled to go from the Mac to the iPad. And, and if you're only an iPad user, then you, it's, it's just a win here. Like, you don't lose anything. Um, if you're a Windows switcher, you know, Windows users switch to the iPad more than the Mac, I believe. And, and does this satisfy you? Like, you know, I guess it depends on how, you know, what level of functionality you want. Um, but it's... You know, I mean, just just getting any form of external display support was was a you know good thing, and having your app scale up with a lot of blank space is fine. You don't get the the pillar boxing, but being able to actually do more with it to extend your your you know screen real estate with a whole other basically iPad is 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 really good. Um, but um, it's it's not so compelling that I want to like go out and buy an iPad and and you know try to have it be the MacBook Air, but with five G built in and cameras and you know tablet so. Ah, not yeah. You know, if, if you're an iPad user, then this is probably really exciting, and that's what I can say. Yeah, like it's interesting, and I mean they must have prototyped just making it work exactly like a Mac does without any of the stage manager rubbish around it, right? Where you just launch Windows and they're there. But they clearly must think that it has some value, and maybe on a twelve point nine inch and smaller screen, you need more active window management for it. Like otherwise, it gets a bit out of control. Um, that being said, Stay Manager itself takes up an inset of about an inch on the left with its dock. Then you have the actual dock of, you know, iPad OS at the bottom as well. So like, it's it feels like a lot of trade offs are going on that maybe didn't need to be settled. I don't know. Like you, we'll, you can you can see more from two apps and side by side, you know, split view than you can two apps like this. I think like you, like you yeah, you, you have the dock and you've got the the shortcut bar on the side, and you've also got some like inset. So that you see the wallpaper around it, so it is like Windows and not just edge to edge. Yeah, so you've actually got space to drag it and stuff, but that means the actual app content is reduced, <laughs> right? Uh, it's it's really like it's not meant for two apps. I don't think it's meant for like switching between a bunch of apps, three or four Windows. It's like yeah, and I mean you and you can like replace the apps and you're up to four, you know. But why um, can't you have five? Well, they're rest- they're restricting it to four. I don't know, but like I like so 
in the virtual memory swap fix mm-hmm. chat, I, I you know I literally just had. It's like the reason a Mac can have unlimited Windows is because when you run out of memory, it just shoves them onto the disk, right? So, but here comes along the iPad now with virtual memory swap. But it's like, yeah, we can only let you do four, and four isn't that many than what you could do in split view on its own. Because in a split view context, you can have two apps side by side, you can have a floating slide over app, and you could do picture in picture. Mm-hmm. Now, so now you not really gain too much. And each of the individual windows are smaller than what they would be in the split view context. I don't know. And mm-hmm. if you look at some of these, I, unfortunately, I don't have an iPad that can run this. So I can't give you hands-on experience. I'm only based on videos. And it's not compelling enough to me to go out and buy an iPad Pro, right? So that is a bit of a catch-22 situation. But based on the videos, like it doesn't the, the window resizing isn't as smooth as a like a Mac desktop experience because as you resize, they transition through the different like size classes so it's very like juddery and jumps around and like obviously it's progress but i don't know if it's really going to solve the core problems of ipad productivity in in the scheme of things it definitely helps like it's better than nothing but it's it's a good time to be it's a good time to to be a mac enthusiast and it's a good time to not be an ipad enthusiast because like apple silicon has has changed you know this raised the bar for the minimum of like mac performance and you don't lose anything except for you know multiple display support on M1 machines. Um, on on the iPad, there's so much that you want, and what they've delivered, you know, it's compared to before. You can do more, but with trade offs. Yeah, it's the biggest update for specific iPad OS stuff, right? Yeah, probably ever. I'd give them that. Mm-hmm. But there's still a long way to go. Still a long way to go, and I don't think they're going to nail it with this first version of Stage Manager. It's going to be annoying the way the windows perturb when you drag a different one in. Like people are going to be like, "No, just stay where they want to be." Like you don't have the four window like limitation on the Mac implementation of this. You can do a bunch of windows in, in one instance on Stage Manager, even yeah. though I don't, I don't care for Stage Manager there. But I don't know. It's a like of I I want to really try and get hands on experience before I like criticize it to pieces, but I also don't want to buy a thousand dollar iPad, so I don't know. Well, what and, to and do. yeah, and and Steve Trout and some of this had some pretty good tweets that I that I you know I nod in my head too that that are um you know part of overlapping windows is that you can position them in ways that you like you don't want them to move around they overlap because you put them where they want like I see um like let's let's see if I was using TweetDeck I've been using just the Twitter for Mac app because TweetDeck's going away on the Mac but. Um, even if it's in a browser, you know, you can position it to where like you see one column of that and that's what you need exposed and you've got a window on top of it. And if that like if the left side that was exposed became the right side that was exposed, I'm no longer multitasking in the way that I, I functionally need to. So, yeah, you know, it's moving windows is <laughs> no, I don't know. That's not for me. We'll see how it goes. But I, it's a big leap. Is it? I don't think it's enough to change the calculus of is the iPad truly useful well, like if you have a thousand dollars to spend are you buying an ipad or are you buying a macbook air i mean the stage manager definitely helps sway the equation a little bit but not enough in my head at least so yeah and and second you know using a monitor that that would require a mouse and keyboard of some type because you can't touch the screen of the monitor but you can use stage manager with just touch and the right? other problem sorry right. sorry for interjecting but sure. the other problem is when you put iPad apps on external monitors, you're going to have to wait months, if not years, for them all to update and correctly respond to mouse input and right clicking and keyboard input. Like, all that ecosystem isn't built out. There's going to be, you're going to have to wait for apps to properly adjust to the screen, to the uh, stage manager modes and, you know, transition to and from split view context. Like, there's a lot of aggro involved here. It's not an easy ride. Yeah. Yeah. 
and this is 12 years of, of iPad software too. So, hmm. so, so the, like the graph is going in the right direction, but st- I still think there's a long way to go. Like even even if they had done overlapping windows as it is implemented on the Mac before Stage Manager existed, right? Like just a, de- a normal overlapping windows implementation that I think most people can agree on maybe isn't like the epitomic of perfect design, but it clearly works and is functional because it's powered desktops for years, right? Even if they delivered that on the iPad and just gave it to you and you didn't have full window restrictions, the windows didn't fly around, even in that instance, there's still huge categories of issues that prov- that inhibit iPad from being truly productive on. And the stage main implementation is even more diluted than that goal. So yeah, the jury's out. Jury's out. We want, you know, you want to try it to, 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 and our colleague Chance, he's done this with, with both his iPad and a second display. Um, you know, like you said, it's M1 limited. So that's, that's the new iPad Air and it's the latest iPad Pros. So it's pretty, you know, three, three iPad models there. All the OSs actually had pretty strict minimum OS requirements this year. Good. Like, they got rid of the iPhone 7. Yeah. They got the rid of the 23. isn't supported on Watch OS. Yeah. Bravo. Um, it's still being well, sold. Even though it's still sold at the moment, which is funny. With, with a warning label. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Max, a lot of pre twenty like eighteen Max are all cut off as well, like including the twenty thirteen Mac Pro, including the twenty thirteen Mac Pro. And it's not like I'm not saying it's like a some vicious scheme for Apple to like juice sales, but it's just a funny contrast to a couple of years ago where they'd have those slides where it's like Apple devices have seven years of support, and now we're doing iOS thirteen, and we're still supporting the same number of devices. Like this year, for whatever reason, a confluence of factors. All the OSs have more strict hardware requirements than the previous tradition. Yeah, I mean, on on the Mac, you have fewer Intel chips coming that you got to support, and that when you do make the transition of of, of Apple Silicon only, there will be fewer Macs that you have to disappoint. You know, in that one cut. So that was the event. Mm-hmm. Some notable omissions before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. TVS sixteen didn't get mentioned at all. <laughs> I, I, you tweeted like that the TV app didn't get a redesign, like the app on a device on Twitter, and yeah. I jokingly said like that was the TVOS section. Well, that, that was the TVOS section. There yeah. was no one, yeah. Which is kind of stupid. Like they should have given it a slide, like in the home section, they could have given it a slide because there are a few. That, and again, like it's not just a, a fact of like they didn't talk about it in the keynote, but there's loads of features. There's also not very many features, but still. They could have done a slide, like throw it a bone, right? Come on. Like it's part of your home strategy. Similarly, the HomePod didn't get a mention either in the entire event, which no new HomePod features on, on tap for this year either, which is really weird. Even though for the first time this year, there's a HomePod beta program that you can join, like officially, not like the AppleCare one. I have no clue what features are in that HomePod beta since they didn't tell us about any. <laughs> uh, and TVOS, the biggest change in TVOS is like better interoperability with Apple Watch, which is crazy uh there was no tease of a mac pro which also stunned me like oh, oh. i thought they were going to end the m2 set they're going to do the mabber care they did the mabber pro i was like here we go mac pro teaser you know the future of apple silicon even if it's not shipping we're going to tease it because that's what we've done for every previous mac pro as well tease at wwc release later the previous apple event the mac pro is for another day quote unquote well not, not, not it's for another day it's not this day <laughs> yeah yeah no, no Mac Mini either. No M2 Mac no Mini. Mac Mini. No, no replacement for the Intel Mac Mini that's still being sold uh, as well. Um, no M2 iMac. But you know, those are the kind of things I can see. Is they do those whenever they have enough M2 chips. Like they're not already waiting until July to ship these these MacBook 
Airs and then the slightly, you know, the chip upgrade of the MacBook Pro. Yeah, and they, and those things aren't necessarily like WWC appropriate either, right? Like they don't have to. They don't have to be like the Mac Pro felt like such a lock, but nope, nothing. And also, no augmented reality chat at all in the entire <laughs> yeah. keynote either. Like no, no, no. Like look at what ARKit, you know, twelve can do. Or like yeah. It's like- like let alone a headset they didn't talk about ar kit like every every previous wc there's like a 10 minute segment where they're like watch this virtualized tennis ball get knocked back and forth between ipads yeah. then as that we're literally on the looming edge of the headset being announced and unveiled and they you, you could have watched the entire event and not even known they were doing ar stuff like it was- yeah well and, and if, if it weren't for the reports of the headset being you know next year you know close then you would Maybe you could say, and you argue Apple's losing interest in AR, or they've they've accomplished their goals in AR, and there's no more to do. But I I think it's it's probably more that um like all AR hands are on, are on the headset right now, and, and maybe there's some stuff that they would have shown today, but instead they're going to save it for like a big splashy event exa- in exactly. September. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think that's going to happen with the HomePod and the Apple TV as well? <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, Def- not. <laughs> definitely the reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, that is the Apple event. Yeah, that is Apple. Over, would you want? Do you want to give it a rating? What do you think? I I was satisfied. It was a good I was event. Satisfied. Yeah, MacBook Air announcement. Yeah. iOS sixteen lock screen's fun. Pulling out pictures is fun. iCloud uh, shared photo library is going to be great. Will be will be great. Yeah. Um, I don't know. How what to, US, I was hoping for more based on the rumors. Didn't quite deliver. I'd say. Yeah, it's it's satisfactory. It's satisfactory. Me. Yeah, they didn't break anything. Whether on the iPad, I mean, what more can you want? Yeah. Whether on the Mac clock on the Mac, you can set a timer with Siri on the on the Mac now. And, and, yeah, and there's loads of small features that obviously yeah. didn't get keynote time, so we didn't talk about them necessarily today. But there's mm-hmm. loads of stuff that mm-hmm. you, we keep even noticing even now. And so, yeah. duplicate like, the updates are really good this year. Like, uh, uh, if you ignore the fact that Apple TV got nothing and WatchOS was kind of meh, and iPadOS only really matters if you got an M1 chip. Like, the core iOS Mac. Like the general ecosystem experience after getting on these betas is significant. It moves forward. Um, all the, or all or most of the accessibility features that were announced, you know, pre-announced, they're in these betas. Like like uh, display mirroring your Apple Watch. Um, the in, in photos, you've got duplicate detection, which is very useful. I found over four hundred on on my Mac when it was, the phone was smaller, but the Mac found more. And then um, being able to bulk edit photos, you can. This is weird. Copy and edit. And then paste them onto other photos in bulk. So that's fun. Um, yeah, and obviously we've got all summer to to find. You can more. unlock your iPhone in landscape now if you have an iPhone 13. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, older iPhones. Yeah. Yeah, loads of cool stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, we will obviously talk about it much, much more in future episodes. I agree. And next, I think next week we'll have uh, like all the hardware news that's come out in the recent days. I can tell you about my Mac Studio because I opened the box and then there's a Mac Studio inside of it. So that's good. Um, looking forward to that. <laughs> and some beta stuff. I'm sure there'll be some stuff we can dig into in a bit more detail. Uh-huh, sure. But for now, that is Happy Hour Podcast. Uh, hope, hope it was long enough for you. We strive to do our best. Um, you, if you like the show, if you're new to the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. But if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can um, get the ad-free version for $4.99 per month or $49.99 per year. We appreciate everyone who does that. We appreciate everyone who supports our sponsors. That, that keeps the show going. 
And um, if you have any feedback, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at ApolloZach. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at? B-Z-A-M-A-I. And say vitamin again. Vitamin. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And we'll be back Aluminium. Yeah. <laughs> Ruder. I'm getting my aluminium supplement as my vitamin. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.